no more room in hell. The dead will start a podcast. Everybody, welcome to No More Room in Hell number 34. I'm Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How you doing? Greetings and salutations, Italian zombies. I'm doing pretty good, Mike. How you doing? Doing well. I'm glad to be getting another episode out, trying to keep us uh, the recent consistency in scheduling. I, I feel like, you know, the last few episodes or maybe just a couple episodes, we've We've got a good schedule and plan and sticking to it going down. So uh, glad about that. <laughs> and especially in this month, because we're all bogged down with uh, other projects, mainly summer series, which you got to watch a ton of movies for. So it's easy to have to push everything else uh, back. For I was, feels good to be free of the summer series. Me too, man. <laughs> it was got- fun. It was fun as hell. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I would happily do it every year forever. But man. That is the most work I've ever put into podcasting. Yeah. Any, I would say any time you're dealing with like a list show, uh, there's going to be a lot of movie watching. I mean, at least when we do our, uh, our movies for for fresh cuts, like our top movies, they're a little more fresh in our mind sometimes because it's been the same calendar year, but Man, going back and watching some of these for the first time in a long time, it, it, it can get tough. And the, the problem with one of my years, uh, 2014, I started watching them so early before we got a date, and then that date kept getting pushed back. So now I'm already looking back over the list, like, okay, which ones do I need to rewatch again? Because <laughs> we don't record for another couple weeks, damn it. <laughs> That's all that devil's cabbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that'll that might make, give me more favorable ratings. That's the problem. So I gotta probably stay off of that for the <laughs> some of the movie watching. But uh, joining us as always as well, it's Derek. What's up, Derek? Joining you. I'm the fucking third host, motherfucking. I'm just kidding. Like, how are you doing today? Uh, it's been a while. I'm I'm kind of cranky. I did a six and a half hour podcast last night. Yeah. Speaking of summer series, you just recorded a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even like this. Sitting in this chair, it's like, oh damn, my ass is starting to hurt again. But uh, it's been pretty fun, you know. I'm glad I'm free for a while until we have to do the roundtables later on in September, which will be even longer. I think those last like seven hours sometimes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I guess to yeah, you know, that's. You, I guess it's hard to get used to recording for that long, but you know, as long as it's not happening all the time, you save up the uh, time and energy to put in for like the one or two huge shows a year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we actually have a guest for this episode. He should be familiar to anyone that listens to Fresh Cuts. So please welcome to No More Room in Hell, Don and Nelly. What's up, Don? Hey, what's going on, everyone? Everyone, yeah, uh, great to finally make the jump to the main show. Um, I think the last time was the 
uh, Blood Rage commentary, so it's nice to finally do a, a full show for once. Yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, that's, that's all right. our commentaries are fun. Yeah, especially that Christmas one we did last time. <laughs> I was very dirty in that episode. I was like, I'm gonna eat oh, those sleigh bells. Bells. Uh, Yeah, I was yeah. Like, I'm gonna eat that blue-haired girl's ass out and shit during that show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the best of us all came out during that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's been. I, I think it's been a long time since we've done a commentary. We should probably figure one out again in the near future. Um, but this episode is Derek's picks. Uh, so, Derek, tell us what movies, or not us, but tell the listeners what movies we're going to be talking about later. Oh, we're talking about some Academy Award-winning masterpieces. <laughs> you know, uh, from the Schlockmeister himself, Mr. Bruno Matai, or, as he's titled in these films, and pretty much most of his movies, well, most of the ones I've seen anyways, Vincent Don, the Meister himself, uh, we are doing Island of the Living Dead and Zombies, the beginning, which were two titles that were released on Severin's sub-label Intervision uh, a few years ago, which actually these are out of print now, both these movies, and there's probably a good reason why at least one of them, and I'll explain when we get to it. You're like, at least one good reason, but but multiple just regular reasons? <laughs> well, well, yeah, well... The, the stock footage is one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, looking forward to discussing those uh, later for our feature uh, segment. But uh, we're going to start off like we always do, catching up with what we watch. So I'll kick it to Venom first. Uh, what do you have up? All right. Um, <clears throat> the first one I'll talk about is a movie that was recently released, um, I believe, in the last week or two. It is a horror comedy. Now, um, I went into this movie specifically because, because um, you know, I'm not usually I like horror comedies. Don't get me wrong, but it's not anything that I usually seek out to watch. But this one in particular because one of my favorite modern SNL cast members is was on the uh, cast list, I decided to check it out. That movie is called Too Late, and the SNL cast member in question is Fred Armisen, uh, who I absolutely adore. I know he, he's one of the more obscure characters that I know doesn't necessarily come off as, like, you know, ultra-popular, like a Will Ferrell type or, you know, something like that, but I've always really loved his characters. But Back to the movie. As I said, it is called Too Late. It is based around stand-up comedy. Uh, The title of the movie references the title of a variety show, a stand-up comedy show that is run uh, by this older gentleman, this longtime person who's been booking... Uh, horror, uh, excuse me, (laughs) comedy, like stand-up shows for his show too late. And basically what ends up happening is um, his, one of his, his assistant actually uh, discovers that there's something a little bit more to the comedy host than he lets on. And uh, basically it turns out that uh, I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say um, the assistant discovers something very uh, nefarious about him and has to start providing him with certain things, uh, you know, to basically for her to stay alive. So basically her boss threatens her after she, you know, comes into this knowledge and blah, blah, blah. So I don't really want to say the one word that's going to give away really what kind of movie this is because they don't give it away in the poster 
And really, the trailer doesn't give away a lot either. I did go ahead and watch the trailer after the film. But uh, I'm going to say, ultimately, I was mildly disappointed with this film. Once again, this is a horror comedy that neither made me laugh or cringe. Or, well, cringe and fear, anyway, I should say. Uh, The story is okay, you know, once it actually plays out. The gore is actually pretty good. There's some decent gore in the film. Um, and one kind of decent creature effect um, that we see in the third act. But overall, um, I, I I just didn't feel like it was very funny. I didn't feel like it was very scary. Uh, Fred Armisen was completely wasted. I mean, he gets like top billing on the movie poster, but he's an absolute bit character. I mean, I could probably count all of his lines on one hand. And they weren't even funny. Like he was playing it. He was the, he was playing the straight man, which. Fred Armisen should never play the straight man. So, yeah, um, a mildly disappointing movie. It's currently available on VOD. Um, have, have any of you guys seen it yet? I've um, heard of it, but, yeah, I haven't had the chance to catch up to it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I definitely know the like the box cover art, because as soon as you saw yeah, it, exactly. I was like, that's the one with that crazy-looking guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. exactly. Yeah, I think... Some people like, have uh, started Mr. to watch it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. Just... I know. <laughs> yeah, the guy on the cover. The guy on the cover, of course, is the host that I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, he definitely kind of looks like uh, Mr. Creosote. Uh, who, anybody who doesn't know who that character is, that's the guy who explodes in Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. If anybody's seen that, there's the restaurant scene with the big fat guy that overeats. I'm fucking full. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want no man to fuck off. That's Mr. Creosote. Um, the guy in Too Late facially looks like him. He's not quite as big. He's still an older, you know, a bigger gentleman, but not quite as big as Mr. Creosote. So, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, uh, I, I, was, I was kind of I gravitated towards the movie, both because... It's a horror comedy with Fred Armisen, and it had a very short runtime. It's only 80 minutes, so I figured it's a quick watch, and it, it'll add to my you know numbers for the year. But ultimately, it's not a movie I can recommend. As I said, it's a horror comedy that's neither funny nor scary, though it does have some gore. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's nothing that I can really recommend. So yeah, that is Too Late 2021. Nice. Yeah, that's like I said, I've seen the box art or poster kind of posted around social media. I I was kind of interested in seeing it, just didn't get around to it yet. One of many with uh, 2021. (laughs) It seems like recently there's just been a lot of releases on VOD. They're kind of piling up now. (laughs) Uh, All right. All right, Derek, you're up next. Yeah, uh, I got to check out one new movie this week, and that's uh, Benny Loves You. This is one I've been wanting to check out for a while. Uh, her very interesting things. I know the Exploding Heads guys really like this one. It's about a older man named Jack who kind of still stuck at home. Like when we first meet him, he's still living with like his uh, mom and dad. But unfortunately, on the day of his birthday, a thirty fifth birthday. His parents die brutally, and it's fucking hilarious how they die. <laughs> uh, uh, and you have to see that. I don't want to really ruin it, but it's fucking hilarious. But then after that, he starts to, you know, he's like, you know, his boss wants him to be serious, get a life, you know. 
And then they, he ends up throwing away like all his toys, including his stuffed dog, Benny. But what ends up happening is when he throws Benny in the rubbish, Benny becomes alive. <laughs> and he starts brutally killing people, especially people that Jack actually cares about. So it ends up being like, you know, Benny's very cute. He's a he, he's all puppeted. It's actually kind of flattering to use a puppet doll in this movie. And, you know, he talks like, I want to care for you. <laughs> and it's just fucking hilarious. Like, oh, there's a scene that involves a dog. And it's pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, let's say that the dummy dog looks like Courage, the cow, the, you know, the insult dog. <laughs> Courage, the cowardly dog. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it has some good gore effects. You know, it's fun. It, it's a fun movie. It's kind of it has like it kind of kind of remind me of like a few years ago the Child's Play remake. It kind of has like that feel to it, but a little bit more like British humor to it too because it's a British film, and uh, it has a good climax. I really enjoyed this one. Did you guys see this yet? I have not. <laughs> It's another one I know of, haven't seen it yet, but I am looking forward to checking it out. It seems like, from what I've heard, most people that have seen it tend to like it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good humor, and you know, it actually has a good opening, like cold open too to the movie, which I really dug, and uh, it plays into the end too. And uh, yeah, Dread Central put that one out. Actually, you could get that on VOD and uh, Dread Central put it on Blu-ray through Epic Pictures. So yeah, I will check it out. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Uh, Don, all right, you're up. What do you got? Okay, well, I'm not going to bore you all with everything I've watched, so I'll just uh, pick and choose a couple. So uh, with that being said, uh, I'm still going to cheat, and I'm going to do a two-for-one here, and there's a reason for that. I'm going to do 2001's Hatched and Medusa. And the reason I say that they're both that I'm doing them both at the same time is because they're both produced by the same person. The there's a, a British producer out there called Scott Jeffrey. I'm not entirely sure if anybody here would be overtly familiar with him. Uh, he's basically one of those guys that you know mass dumps a bunch of films on Tubi or Voodoo or you know like regular streaming sites. Um, he's done films like Bad Nun. Um, so he's like the British David Sterling. Uh, kind of, but um, yeah, but uh, one key difference is that he actually has um, a little bit more uh, talent. Um, he doesn't really, <laughs> run, you know. Uh, I, I do like David. I do like David's work, but um, even though Jeffrey produces films pretty much like on a weekly basis, um, I've actually followed him, and I saw the making of both of these movies. And he filmed them in about a week. Um, they're both actually really good. Um, so Hatched is about a uh, family who head out into uh, this remote um, this remote compound out in the countryside to check on their father, who's uh, gone into hiding after uh, attempting some exploratory DNA research. And come to find out that he's accidentally loosened a group of dinosaurs on the compound, and they have to try to fight to stay alive from the creatures. And then the um, other one, Medusa, involves a prostitute who goes back into her old line of work 
a former prostitute who goes back into her former line of work and ends up staying at this comp at this trailer park out in um, this trailer park and ends up becoming bitten by a snake that turns her into a you know a titular Medusa. So the main reason why I wanted both of them at once is the fact that not only yes is he like you know a schlocky director producer who just mass turns out a bunch of stuff. He actually manages to employ the same cast and crew for the majority of these movies. If you actually take a look at the credits, each of these two films feature five actors and actresses in both both films. Mm. So he actually manages – So, and I've actually looked into a couple of his other <laughs> yeah, films. You're right. Yeah, they both have <laughs> – a lot of the actors and actresses in his movies tend to appear in multiple films. So he has a special little studio like system that he turns out where he has like a bunch of films coming out together. Mm-hmm. But most of them, and the important part is that if he doesn't direct the film himself, they're usually directed by women. So he's one of the more prominent producers that actually puts women first in the genre. Cause a lot of the repeat performers, are women and most of the films if he doesn't direct them are directed by women mm-hmm. so for all of us all of us wanting more female equality you know he's one of the ones that's out there doing so now as for the films if you've heard the plot synopsis for hatch you don't know exactly where this film's going to be it's goofy it's silly it's schlocky you know a bunch of badly animated cgi dinosaurs running amok that fit into places they really shouldn't be change size all over the place and basically just show up to simply eat people that never notice a six-ton dinosaur stomping in the area (laughs) you know just the way you know a good cheesy b-movie should be but the thing is, is that I actually really want to do Medusa and highlight that one because Medusa is actually a very, very, very nicely done commentary on female beauty and the pursuit of, you know, vanity. It's actually quite well done, and it's uh, something that I really wasn't expecting when, you know, it's just a random screener I got, you know, oh, hey, you know, I recognize some of the names, you know, it's one of his movies again. Yeah, I'll take, I'll check it out. But I was really kind of surprised that it actually went a little bit deeper and it showed, you know, a little bit more what was going on. Now, there is one small thing that I do want to mention, and I don't know if this is going to be a spoiler or not or anything. But if you watch the if you look at the review that I wrote for my site, you'll see that there's one screenshot at the bottom of the review that features the woman as the titular Medusa. Unfortunately, that screenshot is in there for a reason. It's the only shot in the film where she actually turns into a fully-fledged Medusa. So it's only a brief two-second synopsis. It's only it's only a brief, like, two-second shot. So don't go in expecting, you know, a woman with CGI snakes in her hair running rampant in this small community for 80% of the movie. It's not that kind of a film. It's, you know, like I said, it's, you know... She spends the majority of the time wondering whether or not, you know, how this is going to affect her, what's it going to do to her, you know, detailing this, you know, commentary on how women have aged and, you know, the pursuit of beauty and all that. So, you know, it's really good and it's quite interesting. So I was kind of taken aback by, you know, how much I really liked it. So if you have the chance, uh, check it out and check out the rest of his work because some of it's actually not that bad. Um, you know, nothing groundbreaking, nothing, you know, 
list worthy, you know, it's basically like, you know, middle of the road, five to seven out of 10 kind of stuff, but I still really like it and I have a lot of fun with this stuff. So, you know, go ahead and check it out. Mm. Okay. And those are both fairly new. Yeah. They're both released this week. That was, um, I think they're, um, if I remember the promo material, right. Hatched is uncorked. And Medusa's something else. The name's drawing a blank. I don't remember. It Maybe like and... Phase 4 or something? Oh, no, 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 no. I remember now because I had to tag them. Um, Devil Works? Oh. Uh, Devil Works Sales or something? I remember. I'm trying, I was trying to think of the tag when I shared the post. And that was the site that they... That was the agency that they wanted me to do when I released it. So... Oh. Yeah, it's like in, you know, an uncorked, high-octane, um, well, I'll die kind of a, a, kind of a system, but yeah, um, they're both released this week. Um, they should be on most VOD platforms because the, I, I've worked with them enough to know that they usually do uh, same-day same day physical and digital, so... Um, I, yeah, they, yeah, they should be out because they were um, rele- they were pre-release, and then I had to embargo them until the day of release. So I managed to watch them then. So nice, cool. Check those out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, first up for me, this is a movie I went in blind to on Shutter. Just like a random night, I was looking for something to watch, something that wouldn't be too long, that I could kind of just fit in casually. And that would be called An Unquiet Grave. Um, I know this is one that also came up as a potential option for Fresh Cuts. Because, you know, with mostly still doing VOD, uh, there's usually multiple options every week. So this is one that came up. And I had happened to watch it shortly before we were throwing it around. Um, So the basic setup for this is uh, a woman basically said that a guy's wife died tragically and supposedly he has a way to bring her back to life and he needs the assistance of her sister to pull off, you know, the ritual. And that's kind of the setup. Obviously, you know, it goes kind of down the road of like, Oh, but are are the intentions as innocent as they seem? Is there more to what's going on than, you know, the character is letting on. So with that said, I'll say, you know, for for a much, you know, for a small movie, that's basically the cast, like two, a two person cast for like, I think, 90 percent of the time. I, you know, I thought it was uh, decent. It, the story, the story was enough to keep me interested to see where it was going. Um, I thought while the twist wasn't too hard to predict as far as like which characters up to no good. Uh, I, I still thought it was handled well. And, it, you know, it, I believe it's like another shorter running time. Uh, you know, uh, specifically speaking to everyone that used to do like the Bloody Bits specials uh, on Horophilia, this would probably be an example of like getting assigned one of the better ones. You know, it's nothing that's going to end up on a top 10 list, probably not even a top 20 list, but um, for what it is, you know, early feature for the people probably all on. Involved, you know, there's no one really recognizable in this, but for being a, a, a small movie with a basic story, I thought it was uh, pretty okay. Has anyone else happened to see this yet? 
Not yet, Michael. No. No, not yet. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, yeah, this is the kind of movie where like it's it's probably not one that's gonna jump out to anyone like to say, oh, this is one I have to see. Like when you're, you know, when you pull up Shutter and you're scrolling by, I I, I can totally see why most people would scroll right by because there's just so much other stuff, more high profile things, probably thing uh, movies that people have been actually anticipating, waiting for. It's it's not really f- that flashy looking when you uh, start scrolling. So um, this is definitely, and you know, uh, there's probably a lot of people that would give up on it just because it's a much lower budget looking movie. Cause I know a lot of people that they'll start a movie blind. And if it's, you know, by uncorked or like high octane or like one of those groups, it's like, they're going to immediately shut it off. Um, you know, that's just how some people are. So, uh, maybe or they're gonna be like me and take my card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, in some cases, is this would just be the example of a movie that almost needs a recommendation for you know a bigger portion of people to even give the time of day to in the first place. So I would say you know if you're if you're kind of in the mood for something a little more simple, then yeah, give it a watch. Yeah, I'd rather watch Zombies Begin again. <laughs> God, oh. no. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right, Uh, let's go back to Venom. All right, Um, for the listeners who don't know, I am a big fan of Jack the Ripper content, be it, you know, docudrama films, documentaries, podcasts, any any kind of Jack the Ripper um, programming I can get my hands on, I absolutely consume it. So as soon as I see a new Jack the Ripper film out, I watch it instantly. And uh, this film uh, was released at the end of June, just a couple of weeks ago. And as soon as I saw that it was available, I went ahead and grabbed it and watched it. And that film is called Ripper Untold. It's brought to us by uh, writer-director Steve Larson, Uh, It's a UK production, as most great Jack the Ripper films are, Um, but unfortunately, I can't really call this one a great Jack the Ripper movie. This this film, throughout its entire runtime, feels like a BBC television movie, you know, shot on digital video, subpar acting, no on-screen kills, or at least very few on-screen kills. Um, It's really more of a drama, in all honesty. If you look it up on IMDb, literally the only genre they give you is horror. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, this this is an absolute drama. And then with this film, too, they try to give us a different take on who the Ripper is. Those of you out there who follow the Ripper know that there have been many theories, you know, that it could be the royal doctor, that it could be a doctor in the area, a butcher, uh, you know, a certain Pakistani man that was arrested. Um, There have been a lot of um, theories as to who Jack the Ripper actually was. Personally, I am a huge fan of the theory that Jack the Ripper is actually H.H. Holmes. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, please look it up. It's way too much to talk about right now, but that's my favorite Jack the Ripper theory. Um, But anyway, back to Ripper Untold. You know, like I said, shot on digital video, nothing real special. It's definitely more a dramatic look at it's almost a police procedural, honestly. And of course we're talking about 1888 London. So, you know, Scotland Yard and, um, 
you know, what little policing and investigating techniques they had at that time. It's obviously, you know, a big old mad scramble of politicians forcing the police, you know, to come up with a suspect to the point where one of the community leaders actually tells them just just you know, uh, just arrest any random foreigner. The the person perpetrating these crimes can't possibly be a good English person. So just, you know, literally telling the police chief, just just arrest any random minority that looks shady and we'll be fine. And he's the ripper. There, we're done. Uh, which, you know, obviously I'm sure is not the case, but I'm not a big fan of how this movie ended. They gave us a different take on who the ripper is. And it's not a very good one, ultimately. I mean, the saving grace for this movie is probably its um, its performances. Because even though I said it feels a lot like a BBC television movie, some of the acting in it is actually somewhat commendable. Um, I wouldn't call any of it stellar by any stretch, but, you know, it, it's at least serviceable. So, <laughs> um and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna assume you guys haven't watched it yet. I mean, hopefully, we're no, no, no. The only Jack the Ripper thing I watched recently is when Nessie from Loch Ness was Jack the Ripper. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I consume that stuff, you know, uh, aggressively. I mean, when I see Jack the Ripper stuff, as I said, be it documentary fictional film, whatever the case may be, I am on top of it. So, yeah, this was one that I had to watch. And, you know, even though it's only an hour and 25 minutes, I would say this one is is an avoid. I mean, there's no real reason to check this out. It doesn't add anything to the mythos other than it's weird out, you know, out of left field ending that they decide to give you uh, as to who the Ripper is. And it's just such an impossible, like in no reality could this possibly be who Jack the Ripper was, but of course it's a fictional horror film. So you take it with a grain of salt, but yeah, that's Ripper Untold 2021 uh, out of the UK. It is a UK film. So if that's an aesthetic that also works for you, I would say, you know, you can check it out. But like I said, I can't really with good nature recommend this to any horror fans out there or yeah. Jack the Ripper fans. You know, if you're a completionist and you like Jack the Ripper the way I do, then of course you're going to watch it. But ultimately if you're not, a hardcore Jack the River fan, I would say uh, this is a skip. Eh. Do you like From Hell Venom? I actually do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's great, but I remember in the theater walk. I, I remember walking into the theater having very low expectations. Like I was expecting it was just gonna be Hollywood tripe. And it actually entertained me a little bit. Like I said, I'm not going to call it a great movie. I'm going to call it a good movie that worked for me at the time, though admittedly I have not watched it in over 20 years. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just, when, when I, I seen that movie, I was just shocked that it was directed by the Hughes brothers. You know, yeah. like <laughs> the guys who did Menace to Society did like this period piece British movie. Yeah. With with uh, what Johnny Depp, right? And yeah. Heather Graham, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the most British people possible. <laughs> hey, they got they got Robbie Coltrane in there. So they made That's up. true. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did enjoy From Hell. Like I said, I'm not going to say it's a great movie, and I can't because, like I said, it's been so long since I watched it. But I do remember seeing it in the theater, and I do remember at least mildly enjoying it. So. Oh yeah. That's it cool. for me, Mike. All right, back to you, Derek. Well, I 
I don't. I haven't really watched any newer movies lately due to various podcast prep. As everyone knows, I've been busy with summer series plus other things that's been going on uh, uh, recently. Uh, but uh, I got some 4Ks in, so I wanted to check them out. And this is kind of a rewatch film. This is one I wanted to check out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch Life on 4K, which is the sci-fi film from... What year was this? A couple, like 2017 or 18, right? Not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, 2017, I think, yeah. yeah. Ryan, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh-huh. For, Dead? For, yeah, for th- yeah, for all three minutes of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you guys haven't seen this one, it's pretty much this science crew's found this new type of organism, and they're in, like, this space station up above Earth, and they're growing it and they actually name it Calvin. This organism ends up grown to this creature that ends up getting aggressive and breaks out and starts killing the crew one by one to survive pretty much. And oh I hit my mic there for a second. Sorry about that. But uh yeah you it's is this movie original no it's not original but I think it's very well done for what it is a space sci-fi film with this I, I love the creature Calvin. It's it's kind of a unique like little starfish looking guy that fucks shit up. I like how aggressive it is and he gives no fucks. And I like this movie's not bitchy and it doesn't it doesn't sour on just taking people out. You know, like like I said, this fucking kills people right away for the movie and it just gets going. And for a sci fi film, very dark ending. I kind of dig it. I, I'm glad. I like that twist in the end. I didn't see it coming the first time, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I dig it a lot. Uh, ben, have you seen this before, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mike and I both saw this. We actually reviewed it back in the uh, just the movies days, and uh, yeah, I remember really liking it. It's not really anything I've returned to since, but I do remember that ending in, in the theater and thinking, "Oh shit, that was pretty cool." Because you don't really, I mean, you can kind of guess what might happen but when the when the when the finale of the film actually starts it makes it obviously seem very you know like one of the rescue pods is going one way and one is going the other but then when you actually get the twist it's it's actually very effective i thought i thought it was pretty cool and any movie that kills off ryan reynolds in five minutes is okay in my book yeah but it's cool to see henry sonata in a movie you know uh, Mm -hmm. i always like seeing him uh you know, famous samurai actor Henry Sonata, who actually recently played Scorpion in a new Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, uh, yeah. And Army of the Dead. Yeah, he was an army. Yeah, he was an army. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he he, he, he a lot of pops. work. Yeah. Ironically enough, the first time I ever seen this, I actually watched Sunshine, that Danny Boyle space movie. And he's nice. in that too. Yep. <laughs> so it's like Henry Sonata's in space in two movies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I dig this movie a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, good effects. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you've got like a gelatinous. It starts off as just like this gelatinous creature that you know, obviously, it's is uh, conscious in some way. But yeah, I mean, kind of, they kind of deserved it though because uh, when they first got the thing onto the ship, they're like poking it and prodding it and hitting it with like electric charges and shit. 
trying to get it to wake up. And it's like, you know, if it's asleep, why not just leave it alone? <laughs> yeah, when he breaks that black dude's on hand, dude, oh, fucking yeah. great. <laughs> when you see the hand after, you're like, oh. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do remember um, liking this one a lot. I had a lot of fun with it, if I remember correctly. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not necessarily the biggest horror sci-fi, you know, fan. So it's not anything that I ran out and purchased. But yeah, I, I do remember really enjoying this one. This was a little bit of a surprise because this was another one that I kind of walked into the theater expecting, you know, just you know, Hollywood sci-fi crap. But it yeah. ended up being moderately enjoyable. Yeah, Don, so did you I, I do remember one? like. Don, did you ever mm-hmm. see this? Did you ever see this movie? Uh, no, it didn't look horror enough for me, so I never really paid much oh. attention to it. Oh, oh, there's a lot of kills in this, man. You, you yeah. probably dig it. The creature is hmm. a killer starfish. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was oh, because starfish. Oh, I thought it was just one of those where it was like their paranoia or something. No, it's a creature feature. Yeah, oh. you should check it out. Oh. Oh, I never. Wait, what, am I thinking of the right movie? Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, that one. Yeah, no, I. I know what it is. I, I got that mixed up with the George Clooney one. Um, oh, oh, Gravity. Yeah, yeah the similar There's a similar sequence like Gravity. In yeah, it. that's what that's what I'm saying. It's like I I thought I. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't really want. That's not something for me. Like that, there's like no real interest there. But then, yeah, no, I, I think because they came out like around the same time, I kind of got them confused. But yeah, no, yeah, if you say it's a creature feature, I'll check it out. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, you'll like it. I don't remember if Mike liked it or not. I know we reviewed it. Well, according to Mike's track record of movies, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Okay, yeah, I thought it was good actually. No, I, I did like it. <laughs> Okay, it's good to hear, Michael. You made me angry enough this episode already. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've seen it since, but I did like it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not something that I kind of returned to. I mean, the only horror sci-fi I really ever returned is probably Alien and Event Horizon. It's it's rare that I'll pop in one more than you know every few years or something. It's definitely mm-hmm. a subgenre I'm lacking in. Hmm. All right. Next up, we go back to Don. What else you got, Don? All right. So uh, this is one that I am going to bet vital parts of my anatomy neither of you, no one here has ever seen or heard of. Uh-oh. And that is that is because I was part of an exclusive watch party that saw it last night that none of you guys were involved in. <laughs> it's a film called Demonoids. Hmm. So um, basically last night I was was part of the uh, watch party. I've done this most Saturdays with a uh, filmmaker friend of mine, uh, Dustin Ferguson. Um, basically, every Saturday we get together, we watch um, a couple episodes of TV shows, and then we do a movie that you know he directed or um, produced or something like that. We've been doing that for like maybe the last two months now, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, basically, it's just. Uh, we do it on YouTube. It's like broadcast as a live premiere, and then you know the video's down, and you know you can't really watch it anymore. So you you have to be there to to, to watch it. But um, yeah, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun. A um, lot of great stuff that I've seen. Uh, this is it's going to come physical media. I think later this year. So it's fun to get a little sneak preview of it. 
basically, if you haven't seen anything from Dustin Ferguson, um, I'll give you a basic synopsis of his films because they're all pretty much roughly. <laughs> so figure tons of fun premise, nice throwback atmosphere, and basically all filmed in the, uh, the space of a week. Wow. Yeah. Um, but no, his films are, uh, they're an acquired taste. Uh, I'll admit, um, you know, yeah, I'm not a fan of the fact that there's a bunch of padding, which happens in this movie, um, which I realize I haven't really explained anything about. Um, so uh, the film is told in two parts. Uh, the first half of the film involves a uh, group of women who rent out this new apartment and decide to have a housewarming party only to realize that the thing has been crashed by a bunch of diminutive little puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're basically... Uh, think ghoulies meets um oh what's the thing oh god my mind's blanking on me um eh, if i could just leave it at that um we'll call it gremlins on maybe a tenth of the budget <laughs> um basically yeah the gremlins invade the house party and they begin killing everyone now at the halfway point the film basically stops there and tells a new story because it's killed everyone <laughs> um, that's not really a spoiler. That's yeah, that's just the thing. There, the film's told in two parts. So the first half, they invade this house party and they kill everyone, and then the second half of the film is the creatures take to the city streets and they begin rampaging across anybody they come across, and they basically get stopped by this uh, museum security guard who notices that they're invaded the they've invaded this uh, exhibit at the museum, and. You know, he has to try to stop him. So it's kind of goofy. It's kind of cheap. You know, it's really cheesy and low budget, but it's not terribly. It's not that bad. But you know, I I have a, a taste for these kinds of films. I've kind of developed a you know, you know, I've developed a taste for them. So I, I really enjoyed it. It's you know, again, they're kind of like hats. They're not top tens. They're not even going to be top 100s this year, based on everything I've watched. But they're decent enough. They're, you know, it's it's enjoyable if you're in that right mindset. And there's enough, you know, silly creatures, you know, moving around on hand puppets to satisfy. So, you know, it's a goofy, you know, throwback to the Gremlins kind of films. Yeah. Um. It's like I said, it should be out on physical media later this year. Um, he was saying it when we were talking on the live chat because it's basically broadcast like a you know, like you're going live like a YouTube like on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you, there's a chat room that everybody sits around and talks in. And he said it's supposed to be released on DVD. I think either August or September. I'm not sure. So um, last night was a fun little sneak preview. So uh, if you know, sounds interesting. Go ahead and check it out when it becomes available. Yeah, when you said Demonoid, I thought you meant the classic from '81 because I was going to say oh, I've seen the, ki- the Killer Hand movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I really like that one too. Yeah, I, I really that's a fun one. Yeah, I've got to revisit that one because I saw it maybe a decade ago, maybe later, maybe I think longer. I saw it. I think I, I saw I, it last year on YouTube. I don't know if it's still there, but it was on I, YouTube I, last I, year. I own it on Blu-ray. Ooh, fun. Vinegar nice. Syndrome put that shit out. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, like I said, I saw mm-hmm. I saw it maybe like a decade ago, and it was really fun. I really liked it. I liked the you know atmosphere and the hand effects. Are like mm-hmm. one of the best outside of uh, the Beast with Five Fingers because I still think that's the best Killer Ant movie. Yeah. Yeah, Beast with Five Fingers. If you've never seen that one for like Killer Hand movies, check that one out. That one is awesome. I that was fifties, right? Uh, forty-five or forty-six. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I know it was yeah. older. Yeah, um, it's that one's in black and white, and it stars Peter Lorre. Oh, I love him. He's my <laughs> spirit animal. Yeah, I just watched rape- a Peter Lorre movie. Nice. With his rapey <laughs> eyes. I love his rape eyes. <laughs> his rapey eyes. <laughs> I call them fish eyes, but I guess rapey eyes works too. That's who they based that fucking second form of Shin Godzilla on. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like I said, if you're into killer hand movies, check out uh, Beast with Five Fingers. If you enjoy, go- you know, Z-grade Ghoulies ripoffs, check out Demonoids. And Hobgoblins. That's the future show. Demonoids and Hobgoblins. Gotcha, Don. <laughs> I'm going to be watching Hobgoblins in theaters August 17th. Take Mike with you. <laughs> oh, God, no. I want to have a good time. Hobgoblins. <laughs> yep. The classic <laughs> Hobgoblin. With Dwayne Whitaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and discount Linnea Quigley. Yeah. I forget her name, her real name, but yeah, she was awful. The old dude that looks like he's running and taking a shit when he's running. Yeah, the vault guard, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Man, we're ahead of ourselves, sorry. Hobgoblins oh, in a nice Oh, we're going to be talking about the... some great actors in the next movies. <laughs> uh, all right, so back to me. Uh, another movie I, I watched was False Positive, which is a Hulu original star based on your life right mike yeah yeah false <laughs> positive hopefully hopefully there's no more actual positives for the rest um when it comes to the context of this movie which obviously they're talking about in the context of a pregnancy test but um the stars ilana i don't know her last name but she was one of the girls from the comedy central show broad city um and basically you know the setup for this one it kind of follows the rosemary's baby uh story somewhat you know a couple trying to have uh kids having fertility issues go to a fertility clinic uh the head doctor there uh played by pierce brosnan um you know offers to help and of course, she ends up pregnant. Oh, and... I almost watched this movie. No, I know what movie you talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it it's been out probably for a little over a month now, at least. And it was another one that when it first hit, I knew about it, planned walk to watch it. Just other stuff got in the way. So kind of similar to my the last one I brought up. It, I just had like a free ninety minutes or so. It's, it's a pretty quick watch. Um, I'll say, you know it. This is a type of movie where it doesn't really tread any new ground. I, I guess when we get to the twist, they try to do something a little different than what we're used to. I almost, I would almost say the twist hurts a little bit. Not that the twist doesn't make sense, but it's just a little bit of an underwhelming like reveal of like, oh, what the mm-hmm. master plan is going. It, it's just kind of like, oh, that's that's what this is all about but you know everything leading up to that if if you kind of like the that type of movie where there's obviously something nefarious going on she's trying to piece it together and because you know it deals with 
the pregnancy, of course, she's there's a lot of gaslighting going on, like, oh, no, it's it's just you acting crazy because hormones and you're noticing things that aren't there. And uh, I, I think th- I think the movie tries to incorporate some of that into it, which also makes it a little bit confusing because there's certain things that happen in the movie that I think as a viewer, you're kind of like, is is this really happening? Is it is it just part of her actually being a little mentally unstable because of the situation going on? But, you know, I liked it okay. Nothing great. Not a top ten. But it's it's something that I would say check it out if you like those kind of movies. Um, and it's on Hulu, so not hard to access. Um, it's, it's, it's out there. How is my father in it, though? <laughs> Pierce? Yeah. Old Pierce? I, I mean, he... He's he's a force on the screen as always, you know. <laughs> he, I, just go, I was just gonna say, I always was like, if I ever met Pierce Bronson person, be like, Dad, it's me. Jesus. <laughs> um, and what's his name? It plays the husband, Justin. Where is it? What's the last name? I don't even know how you pronounce his last name. Therox, Thero. Oh, Thero. Yeah, the yeah, get the guy who slammed Jennifer Aniston in the ass. <laughs> yeah he's he plays the husband which you know he's oh he, he always plays it like he was in that girl in the train movie he's a fucking piece of shit in that movie <laughs> yeah and it, it's Poor kind of an odd pairing them as husband and wife because he's he he's about nine years older than me and the actress I, the wife is like probably that much younger than I, me, probably yeah, really I, yeah, I can never take that guy serious after watching Your Highness, where he plays the evil wizard. <laughs> oh man! But oh, that, that movie had a fucking molesting wizard Yoda in it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> stoner Yoda. Yeah, and he's like, "Come give me a kiss." Ah. <laughs> a molesting stoner Yoda. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to watch that movie now. <laughs> Um, all right well uh so yeah that's false positive check it out if you haven't uh so venom for final round you got something um that's it for new stuff that i have now um obviously i watch plenty of classic well older and classic stuff all the time as well just for my own pure enjoyment so i'm gonna bring an older movie to the table today. This is a movie that I watch every year. Um, it is probably my favorite German splatter film. Um, there's even a, there, there's potentially a good chance I may have already spoken about it on this show because I just love this film so much. Burning but, Moon. <laughs> there it is. There it is, brother. Yes, sir. The Burning Moon. I fucking love this movie. It, it is it is trash cinema at its absolute best. Uh, you're basic. Uh, you're basically looking at a kind of sort of anthology. It's uh, the movie split up into two stories. Um, the the wraparound is basically a drug uh, uh, a drug addict who's being forced to babysit his younger sister for the <laughs> evening while his parents go out. Uh, but to get to get back at his parents, he decides to tell the two most vile, disgusting, terrifying stories he could possibly think of to his little sister. Uh, mind you, this girl's like nine, ten, eleven years old, maybe, and he's telling her 
uh, these two just unbelievably vile stories. The first story is about a serial killer who targets young women and does just the most awful things to her, uh, to, to his victims in general. I say her because he has one specific victim in this short. And yeah, what he eventually ends up doing to her is just, I, I can't even put it into words. I could put it into words, but it would probably get me banned in 11 countries. So yeah, uh. just... Oh, such a great segment. And then the second segment, I love even more somehow. Uh, basically, what we're looking at in the second segment is a priest who is um, seen to be a rapist. He actually rapes one of his parishioners, one of his female parishioners. And then he blames uh, the rape on a mentally challenged farmhand from the yeah. neighborhood. That farmhand ends up getting, you know. Um, Tortured and uh, killed very graphically yeah, exactly. with his teeth. Yeah, the um, the court of public opinion basically takes care of our mentally challenged farmhand, but then the priest um, ends up being getting sent to hell by a demon who basically decides, nah, you've done enough on this wor- in this world. So he basically sends him to hell, and then I would say the entire second half of this short is a dialogue-free just hell scene. Just random bodies getting tortured, getting, you know, bits of them cut off, um, teeth being drilled into. I mean, just some of the most gnarly torture you could possibly think about. And it all culminates in one of the best bisections I've ever seen in my life. Anyone uh, who doesn't know what a bisection is, it's basically when they... Oh, my balls are hurting thinking of it. Yeah, exactly. It's when the human body gets split in half lengthwise. So up up the middle, basically, kind of what Art the Clown did to the girl in in uh, Terrifier. But yeah, this one, it's basically almost like a tort. Like there's no saw involved; it's just pressure. Uh, basically, they pull his legs apart until his entire body just splits up the middle. Now, if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, then I highly recommend The Burning Moon from 1992. Um, and if anybody's interested in the director, the director, Olaf Ittenbach, has just released a new film this year. Uh, I believe it just came out like a month or two ago, and it's called No Remorse. I have not had a chance to watch it. No, that was from uh, 2010. That was a re-release. Oh, it's a re-release. My bad. Okay. Yeah, cool. I, no, I, I've seen that one. It's actually really good. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured, you know, yeah. 20, 30 years after Burning Moon, this guy, well, 20, I guess, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping to see even more vile and disgusting things out of this oh, guy. It is. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, it is. It, yeah, that like is said, glorious. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one is. That one is cool. gory as hell. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I yeah. I don't know something about those German splatter films of the '90s and early 2000s just always do it for me. And I'm the, you know, I'm the kind of guy who really likes the, the whole elevated horror thing, slow burns, well-acted, well-written movies. But you know what? Give me a good splatter fest, especially with very satisfying endings. Like, both of these shorts get very satisfying endings. And then the wraparound even has a little bit of a satisfying ending, too, considering yeah. all the shit that this guy uh, tells his little sister while he's babysitting. But yeah. Like I said, folks, if I've brought this to the table before and there's a good chance I have, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because I love this movie. It's a movie that's not really discussed by many people. And honestly, I feel like it needs to be. I actually this is the only VHS that I still own in the wrapper. 
Uh, I bought this on VHS when it first came out, but it was such a limited supply that I just decided not to open it. I ended up buying it a few months later on DVD, and that's uh, that's basically the copy that I'm watching all the time. Well, at least once a year. Intervision, so, yeah. right? Intervision. Uh, yes, sir. Intervision, yeah. exactly. Uh, Severin, I believe did release a blue of it. I'm not sure if it's North American or not, but uh, I believe there is a blue that I just haven't picked up yet. Yeah. But yeah, Burning Moon, check it out if you have it. And I know yeah. you have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you know that uh, the the guy who actually plays the heroin addict in the movie is actually the director? <laughs> Olaf. Oh, is that Olaf? I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love his airing, right? His... Exactly, yeah. His <laughs> yeah. style very uh, hard to pinpoint, but it's it's entertaining, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of a bunch of those movies. Like the thing I like about German Splatter, which you know I, I understand if people don't like it, but you gotta think these the like him and Andre Schnaz made these movies because they love movies and they couldn't get movies because the German censor is so bad there. Like uh, yeah, if you look at like uh, any of the violent shit movies at Schnaz that he adds like like. R three has ninjas because he loves Shaw Brothers movies and they couldn't get them because yeah of the censors uh, and shit. So oh, they made man. their own movies, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good times. Coming soon. Violent shit. <laughs> oh shit! I would happily do a violent shit ret- uh, franchise retrospective. I oh. I mean I don't think I've seen them all. I've definitely seen the first couple, and the first one, man, that is uh, that's an experience, man. Oh like, yeah. He does yeah. The- what he does to that hitchhiker, holy shit. <laughs> I think I found my new show because I own all of them. I even own the remake. We watched that one, too. All right. We're starting a Splatter Spot podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to make Mike watch these. We're going to have him experience. Yeah, but these <laughs> movies are somewhat actually good. <laughs> um, I mean, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know what Mike, how fe- Mike feels about excessive gore, like ultra, you know, ridiculous gore, like, you know. Uh, Tokyo Gore Police levels of fucking gore, but yeah, yeah, um, I like Tokyo those movies. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen like Machine Girl and Tokyo Gore Police and eh, stuff. That's like a that. start. I mean, there was there was like a time in my life where like that's the type of stuff I actively seeked out. Just when it, you know, I was first learning about it, and it, it's like you know, you make an effort to like, what's the craziest thing I can find? And this was like. The internet was around, but not like it is today, so it wasn't as easy as just, like, looking up scenes to find out you actually had to get a hold of the movie somehow. But, yeah, I like, I still appreciate that stuff and like it. I just, I don't necessarily seek it out the way I used to, but I'm down to watch it. Like, I like it. It's just, yeah. I don't, I don't know as much as about, like, any modern stuff coming out. I mean, there was an Adam yeah. Chaplin, right? That was, yeah. Adam Chaplin, 2011, yeah. That, yeah. that was a great one. Uh, unearthed <laughs> films seems to be uh, kind of carrying the torch yeah. for hardcore splatter films, and yeah. I love it. Yeah, actually, actually, we talked about Olaf uh, recently on Cinema Attack when we did the the Uli Bola retrospective because he really? did the effect, because he did the effects on Blood Rain, Blood Rain. Oh my God, I had no idea. God damn. Yeah, I, which I like, is the, yeah. I, I like this. I like the super over the top gore movies that tend to try to make like them fun kind of almost they don't necessarily or they're not necessarily trying to be comedic in nature but just it's so absurd and over the top as opposed to stuff like i'm not really too much into like august underground stuff that is like they 
I guess their appeal. Have you ever seen any of Fred Vogel's other films, though? Uh, Other than the trilogy, I have not. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, uh, we might be doing a Fred Vogel thing because he his other films are totally different and. I'd be curious. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious. Like, if if you're saying that, like, he has, you know, he's his range is kind of. Well, the Zoom film is not even a horror film. It's it's actually a it's called uh I haven't seen it yet. It's called the Final Interview. It, actually, uh the reason why I didn't review it is because Dave's actually in it for a second, Mister Parker. Yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, it actually you know it has a few like Diane Franklin, who you guys talk about on Terrorvisions, actually in the movie. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. one of the stars. So yeah, he's come a long way. He's got some, you know, Diane Franklin and uh, I think the other guy played in a few uh, the uh, Coen Brothers movies too. You said it's not a horror film. What, what kind of movie? It's, is called, it? it's called The Final Interview. It's about a a guy like his like a talk show guy that goes into like the prison to interview a guy on death row on the night of the the execution. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what sounds yeah. good. Yeah, that's a good part. Awesome. Well, now I want to watch splatter movies. Damn it. <laughs> and hot dogs. <laughs> I think we got some future picks from Venom, possibly. Or me. Or you. That's right. Uh, I, all right. I, I own all the violent shit movies. I'll just rip them and we'll just oh, do it. Oh, nice. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Don't say nice till you see them, Mike. Especially <laughs> when we get the part four. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen four. I've heard things, but I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think that's taking us back to Don now. Okay. uh, um, So my my last... Oh, I skipped Derek. Sorry, you fucking asshole. I think, he, I think Derek had so much to say about Venoms that I thought, like, it was Derek's pick. All right. Derek, sorry about that. Go ahead. Well, I'll make it quick. Because, actually, I'm not going to really talk about this movie, because I think we all seen it. Check out The Evil Dead on 4K. Woo! Uh, the, yeah. the, original, the original, of course, Sam Raimi classic, Bruce Campbell. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was interesting watching it in its original aspect ratio, because I usually mm-hmm. watch it in, like, the widescreen version, which... I kind of appreciated watching it this way because you know, I could see like that it looked a lot more stretched in the widescreen, and you know it was like okay, I could see like it looked more clear the picture. It was the clearest it ever looked, and yeah, I I just got you know like that, that final like few like twenty minutes of the movie is like balls out of tension, and you know, and then fucking. At, it looked fucking gnarly and shit. It was fucking great. Great to revisit. The reason I probably revisit it, which actually I can't really spoil that because those shows haven't been released yet. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just revisiting it just to because I had to watch some other movies too. To uh, I wanted to revisit that one. It was comfort food, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I still dig it. It's a great movie, and yeah, I think the. 4, 4K is not actually no, you know, 
actually the old Blu-ray actually has the same commentary. That's all that's there for special features. But yeah, it's whatever. It still it looks great. Yeah, I, that's actually one of the first 4Ks I picked up when I first converted to 4Ks. I got Evil Dead One and Two, um, and Apocalypse Now 4K. So um, I haven't watched uh, the original Evil Dead yet in, on the 4K release. the The main reason I watched Evil Dead Two right away is because there was actually a show I had to review it for. Um, oh, and yeah. you know what? It was 22 shots, I think. that It was like right when I happened to buy the 4K, so I was like, oh. Well, so you didn't watch the first one? Didn't you review the first one? Well, because I, I no, because what happened was I had already started watching, and I had the, the first one on uh, Blu-ray already. Oh, um, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, threw it on, then like they came in the mail like a day or two later, and I was like, all right, well, now I got a 4K. Of course, I'm going to watch the 4K for the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the original one is so good. It, it's damn near flawless to me as a horror movie and something real new and different at the time. And I, I think it – I get, for me personally, it's aged well. I don't know about, you know, the younger folks now seeing it for the first time, but it came out before I was – able to watch horror movies so i wouldn't even call it like a, something i watched when i was super super young but um i i've always loved it since the first time i saw it and it never goes down for me i see a lot of film school guys probably appreciating this movie because of the, this is what you got to do for your first movie yo <laughs> you know mm-hmm. figure it out work with what you can and you know if you have an idea and you have the will to figure things out i mean they were able to pull it off yeah i mean it doesn't help or hurt that you know it's Raimi and bruce campbell it's, i mean that that combo it's not like it's just just any random people but at the time i mean those weren't household names so they made themselves household names in the community really? <laughs> all right so now we'll go to Don for his uh, final entry. Okay. Uh, the last film for mine, um, I'm also going to go back in time and do a uh, retro one. Uh, this is for a film called Rots. R-O-T, uh, directed by... Uh, Marcus? Marcus Cook, yeah. So, uh, basically, what happens here is a uh, woman decides to pay back her boyfriend by engaging in a little necrophilia at the local morgue and comes to find out she's actually fucked a corpse that was infected with a... <laughs> with a... Um, uh, what's the... Because uh, it's, it's the, the, the acronym it's like of the guy's name. Of, yeah, no, it's, it's called it's a, basically, Yeah, it's the Richard Owens trans mutation thing yeah it's the rot virus or something yeah, yeah. i mean i'm saying the the trend the title refers to the guy's name because his his initials are ro and and the last name is a transmutation virus or something like that so he calls it the rot and basically what happens is it causes her and her well now infected boyfriend to melt down and so the two decide to get aggro and break shit and act out like punks because 
you know, they become infected with this flesh-eating virus. And they slowly pass it on to other members of the community through their antics as they finally, at the very end, burst down into a pile of goo. Um, yeah, this is a first-time watch, and I had a blast with this. This is so much fun. It's, you know, so over-the-top and so just fantastically goofy. Um, if you are unfamiliar with the work of a certain actor by the name of Joel Weinkoop, um, this is probably one of his most Joel Weinkoopiest performances. Yeah, he's pretty great in it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think this and Dirty Cop No Donut might be my favorite performances of his I've ever seen. <laughs> And this is basically, um, if you've seen Dirty Cop No Donut, this is, um, I think, filmed right around the same time because they both came out like, like they were both like 98 or something. 99, I think. Yeah. yeah like they were both like right around the same time. So this is basically him still in that prime. Just, I'm going to scream every single line as if I'm going to exhale no amount of oxygen necessary to get out a huge, bulky ass sentence and scream it at the top of your lungs, no matter how inappropriate to the conversation and the context of what's going on it is so yeah um but the majority of the film basically follows the two punks um this is diy as hell i mean uh, i'm basically surprised nobody actually stopped and pointed at them and said hey are you filming this what's going on like right in the middle of the scenes like i have no doubt in my mind that the entirety of this film is stolen and just well, let's film something and get the hell out of here before the cops show up kind of a film. Um, everything in this is low rent as hell, but it's endearingly charming. And there's far too much plot points to really matter in this kind of a situation. All you really want is the meltdown effects, which are quite fun. Um, there's an explo- There's a head-melting sequence that really steals the show. And then the finale at a punk club where everybody just tends to just, you know, bleed from the eyes and their flesh starts falling off and one person just explodes into a pile of splattery goodness. Yeah, it it's cheesy, it looks fake, but yeah, there it's fun and I had just a lot of I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, uh, yeah, Mark Marcus is one. Of, I actually own all his movies. I actually own Rod on DVD, and it's a blast. Uh, I really dig it. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I like all. Uh, I'll go ahead. No, I was gonna say, um, if you if you have it on DVD, um, it's actually gonna come out on Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, it's from a a studio by the name of Tetro Video, which Venom. If you're looking for splatter, I would highly recommend checking their work out. Um, mm-hmm. They seem to be uh, the European answer to Unearthed. Nice. Uh, yeah, um, I've uh, forged a uh, partnership with them, and I get a lot of their uh, stuff for review. A uh, bunch of this, a couple of the things that they've sent me, um, I've actually felt a little squeamish after. <laughs> uh, there's one by the name of Erotic, um, and I really want to point out the fact that the ROT in Erotic is highlighted. <laughs> Um, basically, uh, this is the next, that one is the next generation version of Necromantic. Oh, um, yeah, it's a, uh, necrophili- necrophiliac film that basically goes there. Um, complete with ejaculation and other bodily fluids spread liberally 
throughout. <laughs> so, yeah, um, they. Uh, yeah, Tetra Video, they released Rot. Um, they released a couple of other films. Um, so if you're looking for, like, over-the-top, extreme genre stuff, um, I'd really recommend their work. Um, Rot is uh, going to be the start of a new sub-label that they called... Oh, God, what was the name of it? Um, yeah, they wanted to... Do, uh, it's a new format that they're doing because they're basically, um, at the moment, they're specializing in current genre fare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think this is the, the first of them that are going to do, like, throwbacks kind of stuff. So there's going to be, like, retro kind of stuff. So, like, you know, the 80s and 90s and, like, early 2000s kind of splatter stuff. So, um, yeah, base, so be on the lookout for that. And, you know, if you like just in-your-face DIY punk kind of aesthetics... Um, Rot is certainly a lot. Derek both rec- really recommended from the sound of it. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where the rest of their stuff goes. So, uh, you know, I guess that's uh, all for me. Yeah. What was the, what was the name of that studio again? Uh, video. It's one word. Yeah, fucking Marcus Cook. Legit. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I just really wanted to say, um, for those of you that have seen the film, um, what, uh, what was it? Um, what the, what the, what lives here? Or... We still here. We are still yeah, here. He did the effects. Yeah. He did the yeah, effects did, on that. Yeah, he's nice. the effects artist for that film. I love that movie. Yeah, um, he's also done uh, the effects work for the American Guinea Pig films. Yeah. Uh... He directed yeah. Hundred Tears with uh, my favorite killer. It's one of my favorite killer clown movies. Yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, uh, he. Yeah, he's a really, really big name. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his works. So. He did the House and House Shark, which is the greatest movie ever. That was him. Yeah, he made the shark. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I mean. I'm even more of a fan of his work now, because I love that movie. That movie's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So, for me, um, I don't technically have a third movie, but I was just going to bring up something I did pick up from one of our memorabilia. So, we have we have a, a store in my town called The Cave, which is, you know, basically like uh, memorabilia, collectible items, find all sorts of stuff there toys movies old games video games clothes just all sorts of like almost like a you know like a swap meet in a store style type place and uh we happen to be grabbing dinner right by it so um after dinner we stopped in there and i was just you know there they have way too many uh movies to like go through everything but i was just sort of randomly searching a spot and out of all things I found, I found the old uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 3D edition that came with the 3D glasses, and uh, it was $2.99, and I opened it to see if the 3D glasses were included, and they were, so I was like, Bleh. I was like, fuck it, for $2.99, I'll just buy it. <laughs> um, besides that, like, I have the... Did you wash um, the glasses? I haven't, I haven't thrown it on yet, um, and yeah, I'm probably going to wash glasses somehow <laughs> before i actually put them on but uh i, I have the um uh, what's my 
What's my release? I have the the old box set, not that one that just came out. Yeah, the old Paramount. The one. DVD one. Yeah, the Paramount, the one one through eight. Mm-hmm. That's like the last release I bought of Friday the Thirteenth movies, and it the Friday the Thirteenth three in there didn't have you know the three D mix with the glasses and all that. So I was like, hey, this is probably going to be my key, you know, because I don't. Even, I'm assuming they don't even make that one in print anymore that edition so i was like well it's 2.99 is probably my only opportunity i'm ever gonna have to get it and unless i randomly come across it at a horror con which the price will probably be way jacked up on it um so i was like yeah and i picked that up and you know i happen to like friday 13 part three a lot I, I find that some people don't some people do um but i i like it a lot I, i've always found the elements to it pretty cool i mean not just the fact that it's where the hockey mask first makes its debut but uh, i always get a kick out of the biker gang um shelly <laughs> is shelly of course I, your, I guess that he, was you when you were a kid mike <laughs> i mean that was most horror fan or horror nerds to be fair that I was mean, definitely you <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess so, but it's it's oh, it's probably what most of us would be like. But in, in a sense, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I was too busy dating girls to do uh, practical jokes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that would have been me younger, like when I was younger, because by that by whatever age they are, what like late teens, probably high school graduates. Yeah, I probably would have grown out of it by then, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, that Mamacito is about to fuck him after looking at that picture in the wall. You know what? He's kind of a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. The pity fuck. Well, she got a fucking arrow in the eye. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I always liked Jason in that movie. Just, I always said that, that was like the kind of get off my lawn style Jason where he just kind of loved around like nonchalantly like there's no urgency in his killing he just kind of like showed up and be like all right you're dead and then walked right off into the sunset after he yeah killed. and then plus that fucking weird scene where you know the beginning scene where it was like this weird grocery store where this guy just has a rabbit mixed with the food <laughs> to see harold 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 how do you have the rabbit the rabbit's just <laughs> in the, the food is shitting everywhere yeah, like, what the hell are you letting these animals walk oh, amongst the produce? And actually, I talked about this movie with Becker a lot. Me and her hate the fucking character of Rick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, when she first shows up and he's like, hey. Well, hey. What do you mean? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, he just instantly wants to bang. Plus his sweater, like, he's wearing like Mrs. Voorhees' sweater. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, but other than that, you know, I, I put in a couple more hours in Resident Evil Village. Um, I think I'm right at the spot where you're kind of running from the uh, the name, the, the main lady, like her daughters, the vampire daughters. You're still at that you're point still of the game. Castle Demetresque? Holy shit. Yeah, man, I don't have much time to play games, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is like oh, when he's watching Jesus movies. That. Yeah, I did that like four times. I'm I'm on to uh, I'm playing Doom Eternal right now, but nice. waiting waiting for the next big new release to come out. But yeah, nothing really horror on the horizon for me. Uh, a couple of trailers have dropped recently for stuff that comes out next year, but that's about it. Yeah, I need to get get to it because I still have The Last of Us two sitting here that I w- I want to start playing. So. 
Yeah, I'll just have to find the time. Like I said, it's kind of been a busy month for for me as far as movies for shows and stuff. So it's kind of just killed my free time just to like you know relax and take an entertainment that isn't tied to <laughs> needing to watch it. You know? Yeah, like I don't live in dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's that specifically. <laughs> um, all right, so if that's it for what we watched, we can get into our next segment, which would be the news. Venom, the rumor is you have some news items to share. Um, nothing too major. It has been kind of a slow couple of weeks for horror news, though there has been one piece of news to come out that's got me incredibly excited. I'm going to save that one for last. Uh, so like I said, I only have a couple. Um, I brought this one to the table because we always make jokes about Robert England and how he always somehow gets into our uh, news discussion. Well, guess what? I have a legitimate reason to put Is this about Buster discussion. and Billy? No, no. God, I wish. No, uh, no, no. It's on Blu-ray now. That just came out. Oh, did it? No, no. I never watched that show, so I'm not yeah. ultra familiar with it. But yeah, um, basically, we got an announcement this week um, from the Cannes uh, Virtual Film Festival that... Um, Robert England will be starring in a new film that will be released on Netflix later this year called Cursor. Um, it's described as a survival horror video game type movie. I'm not sure what that really entails. It's probably going to be kind of Let's something like a um, possibly. Um, there is no trailer or anything available to my knowledge. Like I said, the, the project was just announced this week. Um, Basically, there's little headlines here like Cursor puts a dark twist on the gaming obsessions of the 80s. So it looks like they might deal with elements of both video games and tabletop games, kind of like um, Mazes and Monsters did back in the early 80s. Oh, I know boy. I'm going kind of deep for that one. Old Tom Hanks movie. But uh, <laughs> those who know, you know. But um, I know. yeah, so I just want <laughs> awesome. I yeah, I, I actually watched Mazes and Monsters when it aired the first time and I just remember being terrified and then watching it a few years later and wondering what the hell was I so scared of? <laughs> I miss you, Jenny. Come here, Jenny. Jenny, come here. I'm gonna kill you. Oh, it would have been scarier if it was Forrest, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's Cursor coming out sometime in the the final couple of months of 2021, starring Mr. Robert England. So look out for that on Netflix. That'll it's not a Netflix original production. Um, the movie was already made, and when Netflix bought it, so it, it'll be a Netflix exclusive for a little while. So like I said, look out for that later in the year. Uh, the next piece of quote-unquote news is really only going to be news for people who live in Southern California or Florida near a Universal uh, Studio theme park. And that would be that the newest haunt for Hollywood um, Horror Nights is going to be based on The Haunting of Hill House, the um, the series from Mike Flanagan that aired on Netflix a few, uh, what, 2018, I believe, uh, which honestly is probably one of my favorite 
horror series of the last 10 years or so. I absolutely adored that show. And I actually binge watched it with my wife and we never, ever binge watch anything. It's just not our style at all. And yeah, we just couldn't stop watching this show. So yeah, so we are obviously living out here in Los Angeles. We are very excited for uh, The Haunted House based on The Haunting of Hill House coming to um, Halloween Horror Nights at both Universal in Southern California and Florida this year. So look out for that. I know it's right around the time that we're all going to start making our Halloween plans. The vaccine is in full swing. We can actually leave our houses this year. So um, if you're making plans, make them as soon as possible, because I got a funny feeling that Halloween haunts especially are going to sell out quickly this year. I mean, especially the big ones like, you know, the Disneyland's and the the Not, Sp- Not Scary Farm put on by Not Scary Farm out here. Um, but, yeah, definitely let's start making those Halloween plans because they're going to sell out before you know it. We're all excited to get the hell out of the house this year and nothing's going to stop us. So, yeah. Um, did you ever go to not uh, scary farm back when they did the trapped uh, attraction where it was kind of like it was kind of like a version of like an escape room almost? I but you don't. Were- it, it may have been there, but I probably I don't remember. It's been so long since I've been to Knott's Berry, uh, okay. easily over 12 years. But um, uh, the, the one time that I went to Knott's Scary Farm, I didn't do nearly as much as I wanted to for various reasons. But um, I don't remember that particular attraction being there. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, an interactive escape room, except it's like a series of rooms. So mm-hmm. instead of like walking into one room where there's just so much to do that it takes your whole time it's like you're progressing through like the story with multiple rooms and figure out what you have to do like they pretty much lay out like what Mm. you have to do to get through each room because you know it is a haunted attraction so there's tons of people online so they can't exactly be like well you got an hour time limit it doesn't work like that so it's not it's not typically challenging to get through it but it is horror based so you know, depending on who you have with you in your group, um, we had a big enough group of like friends with us to where like we would just all go through together. But, you know, you could randomly get paired up with like someone who's just scared of everything and <laughs> it could take longer, you know, but it was pretty fun. Like they actually had you uh, like crawling through little corridors and like under like, you know, not le- not actual real uh, air ducts and vents, but like made ones for the attraction so it was pretty cool like that was one of my favorite things i i'd have done and with parks like knott's Berry farm you know it's cool you you really see how they have to be creative because they don't have the licensing like universal does obviously so uh a lot of the stuff is just you know made up horror characters and you you see the effort really put in to make their haunts so and you know i think it's like a fraction of the cost too as like a universal (laughs) Right. So I, I recommend, you know, as long as they're in 2021, I, I, as long if they're going full force with it again there, if, if you're able to get like a second place in, I, I'd recommend going. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the last news item I'm going to bring to the table is the one that I am the most excited about. Now, a lot of this is just rumor. Uh, there has been a kind of a teaser trailer dropped but that trailer doesn't really have any footage it literally has a single image 
But this is a series of words I didn't think I would ever, ever say. Ladies and gentlemen, Night of the Living Dead 2. I saw now, this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I obviously Romero is gone and no one else in his family, to my knowledge, has taken up the mantle of writing and directing films. So there is his literally son, no his son Brandon. Uh, does Brandon actually direct? I didn't realize. Yeah, um, well, it's not. I'm thinking on the wrong guy, but um, he no, does have the son. Yeah, that's Dave. That's Cronenberg. Yeah, no, right? I, I got Cronin confused. Cronin. Yeah. yeah, no worries. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard that um, that he had uh, other directors in the family, so that's good. So yeah, you know, um, maybe... he actually did direct a film in 2007 or 2008 called Stanton Hill. Ah, yeah, no knowledge of that. Definitely. Oh, that's good then. Maybe so. Maybe we will, we will still have some Romero DNA on this. But anyway. Um, the re- another reason that I'm very excited about this project is anybody who actually saw the teaser that was released there, as I've already mentioned, there is a single image in the teaser. And what is that single image? It is the image of the three survivors from the original Day of the Dead. Lori Cardile, Terry Alexander, and Jarleth Conroy are three survivors who got away in the helicopter and went to the island. They are in this teaser. Um, it, like I said, it's a static image of just them uh, standing side by side with all of them holding a weapon, either a firearm or a machete or something. But it is solidly them. I mean, you know, the, the, the quirky little, you know, the Jamaican guy, the Irish, I think. I think he was playing an Irish guy. And then, of yeah, course, he was Irish drunk. It was amazing. Yes. Oh, God, he was probably my favorite character in the goddamn movie. I loved him. But yeah, he still has those big, crazy eyes for anybody who's seen the image. Obviously, you know, it's 30 plus years later, so everybody's aged. But honestly, you know, to see him all um, in in kind of island attire, holding weapons, just absolutely, you know, gave me some, um, you know, nipple hard-ons instantly. Um, you know, for those who don't know, obviously everyone knows I love zombie movies. Night of the, the original Night of the Living Dead is in my top ten all time. I absolutely adore that film. I understand. I, 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 I'm one of the people that says Dawn of the Dead is Romero's best movie, but Night of the Living Dead is such an important film that it will solidly stay in my top ten forever. What that movie did to me the first time I saw it has never been duplicated. So. Um, I when I saw Night of the Living Dead 2 in the title of an article, I jumped on it instantly. But like I said, folks, this is all rumor at this point. Nothing is signed, sealed and delivered. This is all just working on a teaser that was released independently. It is an unofficial sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Obviously, the title could change because it does seem odd that it's called Night of the Living Dead, even though it seems like it's going to be a direct sequel to the original Day of the Dead. So I would look for that title to more than likely change, though the title Night of the Living Dead has no copyright on it. Anybody can make a movie called Night of the Living Dead, unfortunately, because of a um, a, a, a clerk. What's that? Yeah, it's yeah. public domain because the original for those who don't know, Night of the Living Dead had a different title. Um, it was either Night of the Flesh Eaters or something like that. Night of Anubis. They, Night of yeah. Anubis, thank you. And they they copywrote that title. The problem is when they changed the title, uh, whoever the legal clerk for um, uh, Romero Studio forgot to resubmit that paperwork for Night of the Living Dead. So Night of the Living 
dead is copyright free. Literally anyone can use it. So I'm hoping they're only using the title now as a placeholder. You know, I'm you know fingers crossed. Um, though if they do release it as Night of the Living Dead 2, I just hope that it can live up to it's never gonna live up to the original, of course. But at least, you know, make it some kind of spiritual sequel that answers some questions. Cause obviously Night of the Living Dead didn't have any survivors of the people that we followed, but Dawn and Day both did. So maybe we'll get continuations of those stories. If we do, awesome. If we don't, if it turns out to be something, I mean, they might not even be playing. Uh, the characters from Day of the Dead. Like I said, it's the actors in an image. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the same characters. So I'm, this is why this is all rumor and speculation. But I'm still I'm still spending a good chunk of the news segment on it because of how excited I am for this. I have an ear to ear grin on my face right now talking about this. I will have an ear to ear grin fa- uh, on my face for a long time. And, you know, if the project just ends up dying like so many projects, then, you know, whatever. It, at least it was a nice thought for a little while. But, you know, here's here's hoping that this thing becomes a reality and it comes out. Uh, I know I hate talking about rumors during the news segment, but this is just one that I just had to. I was so excited. So so if you guys are uh, kind of against rumors being in a news segment, I apologize to you now. But, you know. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I love this news. Oh, yeah. It's just rude. So, yeah, that's it from me, Mike, as far as news goes. Well, well, I'm glad you actually looked into it because I had seen, like, the headline, like, A Night of the Living Dead 2, and, like, automatically my thought was, like, okay, here comes another, you know, a, a movie that anyone can license. So, oh, look, we're yeah. getting another cheap version of A Night of the Living Dead movie. Don't really care. Um at the time because I didn't look into it past the headline just kind of scrolled by but yeah obviously if you have the three characters from uh day of the dead that survived that at least adds some intrigue like so okay we're we're looking at something that's actually uh gonna touch uh the original trilogy in a way direct sequel perhaps now you know obviously with their ages you you can't really be like, well, it picks up right after. No. <laughs> I mean, I know there's de-aging technology, but something tells me Night of the Living Dead 2 is not going to feature de-aging yeah. technology. <laughs> it's not going to be set in 1969. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. But, yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see what they do with it, because even though it, it it's a property that can be licensed and anyone pretty much can do their own take on it. It doesn't necessarily mean that every attempt is going to be bad or have there been lots of bad attempts. Sure. But you know, someone's going to get it right eventually. And uh, what better way to do it than, you know, try to incorporate characters previously existing in the trilogy. I think that's a good way to kind of raise interest in what normally would be just seen as like, Oh, here's another one. Well, I thought the 3d version with Sid Haig wasn't too bad. It wasn't the worst thing ever, but it didn't feel, I don't know, it it just never felt like a Romero movie. Granted, you know, very few uh, have, I mean, because even the the later trilogy, you know, with Dawn, or excuse me, Diary, Land, and Survival, even those kind of didn't feel uh, like they were made by Romero, even though they very obviously were. Um, I think the last one, uh, he died, right? Didn't he die during the making? Or... uh, no, I think I'm 
I'm thinking of something else. Forget about it. Uh, so yeah, so you know, even even with that newer trilogy, they kind of lost a little bit of the feel, the mystique of the original trilogy. So obviously, Romero will not be involved in this for obvious reasons. So um, you know, basically, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed and hoping against hope. That's pretty yeah. much all I can do at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think so. I I rewatched Land not not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit more as, in the in the aspect that you're saying how like initially it didn't feel as Romero esque as the original trilogy and I I had a I agreed with that assessment when I first saw it in the theater mm-hmm. um, and you know there could have been all sorts of reasons you know it was the first one in so long it was a big theatrical release which that wasn't really the style of. Yeah, it was you a know. studio picture too. Mm-hmm. It was a studio picture, and I and I think it, you know, it was Romero's take on uh, more modern issues, and uh, I think it, it it aged better for me than when I initially saw it, and I, I think I got what he was going mm-hmm. for more. Now there there's still aspects in there that I could do without, as opposed like the the first three are almost like flawless to me. Yeah. Um, and land, I still don't. I still don't put land like in that tier, like not even close. But yeah. just the elements. Uh, there's elements that I warmed up to um, on on the second view, and just the overall kind of story and what was going on. Yeah, there, uh, yeah. I, liked. I remember. Yeah, the story was what I liked the most about it. It was the execution that maybe left me a little sour. Now that's another movie I haven't watched in a very long time. So I, I will definitely have to give that a revisit um, and see if I see the same things that Mike is talking about. I hope I do. I mean, I want to like the movie. It's Romero. It's one of my favorite directors. So yeah, I'll be watching that again soon. Zombies, man, they creep me out. I know. So many zombies. What the hell? <laughs> hey, hey man, it's me, Dennis Harper. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, the only real news item I had to bring up, and this is kind of related because it's a George Romero story. Um, You know, anyone that kind of follows him as a director, not just his uh, dead series stuff, knows that, you know, over the years, he's been attached to like a ton of stuff that just didn't end up happening, whether it was, you know, whether he get attached and through creative differences the studios would drop him or if he would just decide he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore but it's kind of timely that this news comes because not only um are we get you know potentially getting more or dead films but also with something like fear street having the movies on netflix well it looks like romero was actually attached to do uh or adapt a goosebump story uh so long ago and I guess it was like the first book. This was R. Goosebump with R.L. Stein, and the, I guess the first book in the series is called Welcome to Dead House. And obviously, well, not obviously, but it was a zombie story. And it looked like Romero. He he wanted to keep the spirit of it, but he it's funny because he he kind of wanted to change um, how the zombie. Zombies came about. Uh, it looks like in the original book, it was almost Return of the Living Dead like with like the gas or the chemicals that reanimated everything. Romero wanted to make it like the the town matriarch kind of, and that was that was who was coming back as a zombie, and it was um, kind of like attacking like 
you know, consolidation of wealth, uh, income inequality, basically like, you know, some of the unfettered capitalism type uh, things. And it was funny because the way Romero would have changed it is like any anybody that the zombie kills kind of comes back and becomes his minions, minion zombies, I guess. And yeah, I mean, he very much wanted to Romero up goosebumps and I can almost see why it wasn't a good pairing. Not because I have no problem with this type of story from around. This is almost what I would expect from Romero. But does it make for the best, like it's another it's a question of like, OK, if you're going to do that with the goosebumps, well, is are like what tweens or preteens watching a goosebump movie even going to pick up on all this stuff? You know, like this, this almost sounds like it would make a good dead movie for Romero, like instead of goosebumps. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, basically, yeah, it says a write up further details. Romero's nightmare scenario here involves not being killed and eaten, but rather essentially having an awful soul killing job. I mean, that, that would have been great for modern times now, because as we're coming out of the pandemic, you know, you're hearing all the stories of people not wanting to go back to their old jobs because there's more options now. Um, and a lot of people really train for different things. But, you know, I don't want to go too far into that. But just as far as what Romero kind of intended for a Goosebumps story, it sounds kind of heavy, like heavy material for a Goosebumps adaption. But who knows? I mean, maybe he would make it more in the subtext, you know, reading it, you know, reading it in an article might make it seem like it was more um, present in the story where Romero could have put it more in the subtext for like older people watching it with like either siblings or kids that they would have picked up on that where the kids might have just seen it as a goosebump story. But I, I find that interesting because I know he was also attached at one time to do like a Resident Evil or the, actually, I think he was supposed to originally do the Resident Evil movie, right? The first one. And yeah. then something happened with that. Because um, I think they actually released, like, promo footage or trailer footage of, like, what it would yeah, look like. No, it was totally I different. Direct, well, I think he directed the trailer for it. When it was on the when it first came out, I think he directed the trailer. And that's what got him okay. involved to do the project. Yeah, and I think he was trying to keep it more like a video game style adaption. Like, as far as the story, because the footage from what I've seen, it kind of looked like that. But obviously, the movie we got, you know, whether you like it or not, it, it totally deviated. But, um, but yeah, that's all I got on that. Anyone have any thoughts on a Romero Goosebumps story, potentially? Do, 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 do. I'm not the biggest fan of, like, a lot of that 90s kind of kids horror content goosebumps are you afraid of the dark uh, unfortunately i was i'm just too old i was already an adult by that time by the time all yeah. those shows started getting popular so i just never watched them and then to watch them now as an adult for the first time they're just not very entertaining to me i can see why kids would like them don't get me wrong i can see the uh, kind of the outline of some great stories in some of those episodes that could turn into great horror films but I don't know. When it came out, I just wasn't interested. Well, like the there was a Goosebumps movies. Was it Jack Black that was in them? Yeah, um, he's in the, the, those are aimed for kids more though. Yeah, yeah, I mean those were totally like kids versioned out. Like I don't even know if the books were that kiddy as, as much as the movies were. I, I don't think I've ever read like. It's funny because I was probably the right age for Goosebumps when they first yeah. started coming out, but I kind of. 
I don't know. I didn't read a lot of young adult books, period. I, when I got into horror, my aunt had a Stephen King collection, and I just started asking her to borrow those. I kind of skipped over the age group material that I was appropriate for. Yeah, you were reading the fucking orgy scene in it. <laughs> oh, I had it I had it highlighted with a highlighter, you know. With your little magnifying glass to find the, the you know, it's time to jerk off. <laughs> really, you little hoe. Uh, uh, okay, well. Are we still um, getting Twilight of the Dead? Wasn't that like the talk of the town like a month ago? Hey, man, it's like that Nightmare City that was supposed to come out like six years ago by Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the last I heard on Twilight of the Dead, it was pretty much what we said in the news at that time, where Romero's wife is basically like, we own the rights, we want to get it made, but I'm not just giving it up to a studio to like do whatever the hell they want with it, and I haven't really heard or seen much about it since, so it could just be in that process of like, we're looking for the right people still. Because uh, I, I mean, I, I, know she, I know she was writing a script with guys that actually worked on the original night uh night of the living dead with george so uh-huh. um you know so it would it would still have the feel of the original film but obviously the director is going to be key when it comes to like its art style and direction style and stuff like that so um yeah i i i don't know i don't know if i even really want to see it because do i want to see it come out and fail obviously i want to see it come out and be awesome but what are the odds that it's going to be awesome? You know, I'm a gambling man. And yeah. if I had to lay odds on that, they wouldn't be very good that it's going to be a quality film. So yeah. I'm obviously I'm still excited. I still want to watch it. All of these films, all of these posthumous Romero projects I'm interested in. Uh, I'm just going to try to keep my expectations low just in case. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. If I can. Time for my new story now, Mike. Do it. Okay. With this right. fucking goosebumps bullshit. <laughs> you know, fucking uh, yeah. This is kind of big. This is more for collectors. So, Mike, it's time for you to go in the corner, buddy. Yeah, the adults are talking. Yeah, uh, this was posted yesterday on the eighty-eight films Facebook group. Eighty-eight films is coming to the USA they, because originally, normally they were a UK only company. They are going to be releasing. Uh, dual titles UK and US, and also US only titles. And uh, the first one is coming out on October 5th, and that's Gestapo's Last Orgy. Video oh, Nasty's nice. <laughs> new 2K restoration. Yep. Uh, you could pre order this now on Amazon US, Diabolic DVD, and Zavi. And this might interest Don, too. Uh, their other title that they announced for their first dual release with the UK and USA is a Shaw Brothers film known as The Chinese Boxer. Oh, nice! nice. Yeah. I, and, uh, uh, I really and, like that. Yeah, and uh, the image of the, of the Shaw Brothers DVD, there's a bunch of other Shaw Brothers titles that are coming out behind them. They didn't announce them yet. But one of them kind of looks like Human Lanterns is going to get a Blu-ray uh, from the U.S. Mm. Yeah, so there's a few. If you look at the U- era 88 USA image, you'll see a bunch of Shaw Brothers titles that are going to come out in the future. But the first one is going to be the Chinese Boxers. These are both coming out 
the 5th of October. And yeah, I'll be pre-ordering these. I'm excited. I want to support this because I want more. Because I like ADA films. They're a cool company. Mm, I always like nice. it. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, yeah, uh, and with their Arrow doing a bunch of uh, Shaw Brothers stuff, too. This is really cool. Yeah, we're getting a lot of shit. And, you know, this is good. We Shaw Brothers all around, you know. Yeah, and who's uh, doing that big box set? Is that Arrow? Arrow video. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's actually cheaper than I thought it was going to be the size oh, of Oh, really? It's not 350 bucks? I I'll say I won't say it because I don't actually want to buy it. So I'm, I'll tell you off here. All right. <laughs> if you don't know what I mean. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. So yeah, a lot of Shaw Brothers shit coming up. And yeah, so yeah, they're going to get some horror Shaw Brothers stuff and some martial arts stuff through this. Plus, who knows what else is going to come in the future. And that Gestapo's last orgy. Oh yeah, look at that. It comes with a slipcover too. It looks fucking awesome. <laughs> I love Gestapo's last word. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. So yeah, uh, this is good stuff for collectors because this is big because you can only import these before. We're gonna be able to buy some of these titles now in stores and stuff like Best Buy. You order them all over the place now. Oh God, Gestapo's last word. You family video. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Shaw Brothers just... have anything to do with the, the hopping zombies? No. Um, okay. That was a different company. That was uh, Golden Harvest. Okay. Well, you never know. You never know. No, it's because Shaw Brothers went out of business before they cut, before they came out. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I knew they were newer. I wasn't sure. Yeah, because yeah. I think the last film that the Shaw Brothers ever did was, I think, Boxer's Omen. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I think that was the last one they ever did, and then Mr. Vampire was 85. Yeah. And then a, a lot of the other thing, too, is that um, the Mr. Vampire series is a bunch of uh, Jackie Chan alumni, and he was with uh, Golden Harvest in the early 80s, so I think that they were the ones that put those out. Fun. This is, this is, good. This is cool, too, because 88 films in the UK released a lot of Jackie Chan films. They might announce those later down the line for the U.S. too. Now, Don. I know. I'm definitely excited because I, I hate the fact that I can't return my player. I ended up ordering when I got my Blu-ray player. I ended up ordering a region-free one for that specific reason, but they ended up shipping me a un-region-free one. I ended up when I'm locked out of it and I can't return it. So. Oh, that sucks. I, I just bought a multi-region 4K Blu-ray player, so. It's on the way, so let's hope they don't fuck me on that one. Yeah. Sometimes it's tricky with the, the buttons and shit they had to use, too, on those. It took me a while to learn on my first one. I, had. Uh, I just want to watch all the Arrow videos that I've been buying for the last couple of years that I can't watch. <laughs> yeah. Because I still but, buy them like an idiot. The thing is, with ADA films, even though like some of them say Region B... Some of them actually play re on the Region A players. Yes, <laughs> you're right. My Candyman is supposed to be Region B, but it plays on my normal player. That's yeah, weird. I know because I my Anaconda set that I bought from '88 actually plays downstairs and oh. says Region B on it. That was Region Free. I might have to pick that up then. Yeah. I think so. I'll I'll double check for you, Don, later. Okay. On. Yeah, I might have to look into that because I've uh, I really would want that. Yeah. 
I mean, I did the whole guest spot on on NFW with the franchise because I was such a fan. So, <laughs> hell yeah. Okay, Mike, we're done. You can come back. <laughs> are, are are any of you guys planning on checking out the American Horror Stories anthology this week? I think I think it comes out this week. Eventually, I probably won't watch I, it this week. I gotta I, I gotta watch I Spin Your Grave and Hard Boiled the same week, Mike. Oh, <laughs> fun date movies. Yeah, lots of violence. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Hulu's doing the one episode a week style or if they're just throwing them all on there or not. If it's if it's airing on TV, they're going to do one a week. I do, I don't think it's on. T- I think this this version is just Hulu, the actual one episode anthology one. I mean, I know they're regular American oh, it's Horror a Story. It's airing on Hulu. Or- that's weird. Yeah. Um, the regular show is still going to be FX. Like, I think it starts in October. But this one, the uh, the episode-to-episode anthology is a Hulu thing. So, we'll see. I'm looking forward to see, like, how the writers do with just shorter stories. Because I think you're basically tackling the biggest issue of American Horror Story, which was they could never figure out how to finish up the seasons that's when it would always kind of get stale or they would just mess it up and not come to a satisfying conclusion yeah. so maybe with these uh, short american horror stories uh just to let you know american horror stories is still airing on fx it's just that hulu has the episodes the next day so it's like fx on hulu oh, oh okay. so i'll do that shit yeah so it's, it, it, it's fx it'll be on television on fx and then the next day hulu will have the episodes because so, disney owns how fx Yep. Hell yeah. Fist pump, Anna. <laughs> with yeah, with the uh the Disney Plus bundle with uh Hulu and ESPN Plus. That's how you I, I like it. Hulu. They have a lot of the IFC films I've been I trying love to look for. They have great shitload of IFC films on there I've been watching. Like the Vigil I watched. Oh yeah, I should have brought that up. I watched the Vigil. That was a good movie. That was good. Yep. Vigil was great. Yeah. One of my top ten of the year, I'd say. Oh, say yeah, say that. <laughs> see? Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of that in these movies. Bad accents and bad dubbing. Ah, hey, hey, look at that. My name's Snoopy, because I have a Snoopy on my shirt. We'll, we'll get into <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, well, with that said, I guess we'll uh, go ahead and take our break and come back with our main features.
that there's a problem on an island. Is it start taking care of yourself and not these resuscitated dead bodies? everybody with the big double feature of the night both these films are the same year and uh yeah i'm gonna it's weird because imdb actually has the the first what i technically say is the first film in this series last but i'm gonna do it first it's weird how that happens sometimes uh and that is island of the living dead this is of course one of the last two final films directed by Bruno Matai, who I mentioned a little bit, but if you didn't know, he he does a lot of rip-off cinema where he'll make a movie and he'll rip off other movies within that movie. And and that's been his slick. He directed Cruel Jaws, which has a lot of stock footage of other shark movies and <laughs> And that also has a guy that looks like Hulk Hogan in it. <laughs> and uh, Hello Living Dead, which is kind of a mashup of Dawn of the Dead and, like, Cannibal Mondo movies. Uh, and also uh, Rats Not a Terror, which kind of had, like, a Night of the Living Dead siege feel with uh, a little bit of the thing in there, too, with, like, some of the flamethrower scenes in that movie. Try to copy the John Carpenter film and to a T with like some of the fu- bodies on fire. It's kind of hilarious, but uh, yeah, this one doing some research and I didn't actually think of this one when I watched it the first time. It's a rip off of the movie ghost ship. It's pretty much the same story as ghost ship, but oh, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, with the group of treasure hunters, uh, I'll read the synopsis to get you started. Uh, a group of treasure hunters survive a shipwreck only to find themselves stuck on a deserted island that's been overrun by ferocious, flesh-eating zombies. Uh, yeah. This was when the time period when Matai was making a lot of films in the Philippines, which you tell he's working on a lot cheaper budget. Uh, a lot of the same actors are actually in a lot of his last movies. Uh, I've seen actually one of the females in this movie was actually in one. Spoiler alert, we're actually doing uh, the 2004 cannibal movies he did in the Philippines. Uh, me and Don were supposed to do the night before, but that show is going to be postponed until the next time we're able to record that. Uh, which, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into listen to that show if you want to hear the thoughts on those movies. But yeah, there's a lot of overdubbing. Which bad dubbing? That's what you're gonna. I'm not gonna say these movies are 
fucking masterpieces off the bat. But did I have fucking fun watching them? In a weird way, I did. They're not fucking great movies, though. I'm not going to... When you go in an audience, don't go in expecting, like, Dawn of the Dead when you're going into these movies. You're not going to get that. You know, it. they're fucking schlock busters, pretty much. And it's that kind of style of film that Matai has been known for. It's a lot cheaper, but, you know, there's some fun gore effects in the movie, at least. I, I'll give it that much for There's some good gore. Which I I wasn't expecting when I first watched these for the first time when I first got these DVDs in, but you know they're what they are. But I know Venom had a comment last night when he watched Island of the Living Dead. <laughs> so Venom, we're gonna start with you. This is a first time watch, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, both of these are first time watches for me. I'm definitely more familiar with Bruno's older work. A lot of the titles that you already mentioned, I've seen. Um, and yeah, man, he you you really are right. He is the king of I don't want to say ripoffs. Let's say homages. <laughs> Even though I think ripoff is probably the more accurate term. But yeah, I mean, watching his films, it is just amazing how much inspiration he takes from other films. Um, and, and not always just in the filmmaking, too, sometimes even in the score. The opening theme of Island of the Living Dead sounds exactly like The Shining. It sounds like the music that's playing while our family is driving to the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. I couldn't get over it. And then in the second movie that we're going to talk about, there's a song in there that is an absolute carbon copy of the main theme from Ghost House. Like, literally, note for note, I could not get over it. It's not that he didn't use the exact song. It's not like he just copied it over. But they, it, it sounds like he re-recorded it, but with the exact same notation. So it literally is the Ghost House song. But, but like I said, that's uh, that's in the next movie. Um, yeah, the homages in this are so thick. I mean, you know, you could... Uh, was this the movie with the fake-out uh, zombie eye poke? Yeah, they're trying to do the scene from Zombie, but it doesn't do it always. They start to kind of do that scene where, you know, the zombie is pulling the girl towards an exposed, you know, sharp object, blah, blah, blah. Um, It doesn't quite end the same way as it does in Zombie. I'll leave it at that. But, um, yeah, like I said, again, homages all over the place. Um, and then the variety of zombies. Um, and I'm and I'm not talking necessarily about their look so much as just the things they do. I mean, this movie has dancing zombies, harbinger zombies, um, vampire zombies. Uh, what else do we have? We have guitar playing zombies. zombies. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. They have, like, the blind dead zombies. Yeah, too. yeah, we've got blind zombies. We've got guitar-playing zombies. Uh, <laughs> zombie it's just, secret society, basically. <laughs> oh, right. Rogue cult member zombies. I mean, yeah, the sexy zombies. There's Talking grandma zombie. zombies. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get over the variety of zombies in here. The Harbinger zombie was the one that got me, though. The old lady that actually spoke. And was telling her, you need to get out of here. Get out of here. It's like, this fucking zombie is helping her escape zombies. 
I totally floored me when I saw that. <laughs> and not the bad thing necessarily. There's no hive I like, mind. I like seeing originality, and goddamn, if Bruno doesn't bring the originality with his zombies, some can talk, some can run, some can shamble, some can fire weapons. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, but ultimately, um, the biggest thing that I'm, the biggest complaint I'm going to have with these films is the ADR. Oh God, the audio, the the analog, or excuse me, the audio dialogue replacement is just bad. And what's funny is that it seems like most of these actors are actually speaking English. Like you can see that the lips are matching what they say perfectly, but the, but all the audio is ADR'd in this movie, so it all sounds terrible. I hate to say it, but just yeah that was the hardest part of the movie for me despite all the silly zombies despite you know some of the silly action that was going on on the screen i had a good time with all of that but it's like it it was the adr that was really really getting to me just nobody sounded like the way they it's almost like he wasn't using the actual actors voices in the adr but he obviously had to be because some of them spoke english terribly I mean, he had people doing uh, English dialogue where English was not their first language. And I literally had to turn on the subtitles for this movie. Luckily, I didn't have to do it for uh, our second movie. I don't know if maybe they learned their lesson a little bit with the heavy, heavy accents. But, I mean, there's a couple of characters in this movie that have very thick European accents. And like I said, to the point where within 15, 20 minutes of the film, I had to turn the subtitles on because I was missing dialogue minor gripe honestly as far as the um um having to turn on the subtitles but overall it was really more the quality of the audio that was really getting to me just and 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 remember folks i am a post-production audio engineer by trade and it's one of those things where when i hear bad audio it grades on me even more than it Mm -hmm. does a normal person so unfortunately i gotta bring it to the table but Ultimately, despite all the silliness with besides all the homages, all the ripoffs, um, we still get a fairly entertaining movie, believe it or not. I still had a good time with this movie. I do not regret the 90 minutes that I spent with it. Obviously, you know, especially when you know nothing about the movie going into it, um, you know, especially coming from a veteran director, I think I maybe just had a little too high expectations for him because, um, you know, I've seen Cruel Jaws. I've seen Wraths and Nights of Terror, and I just kind of assumed that there was going to be a lot more improvement. If anything, it almost takes a step back in filmmaking. Like those movies that did in the 80s and 90s actually look like theatrical films. These two movies literally look like direct-to-video sub sci-fi channel quality films and obviously some people really enjoy sci-fi films uh you're speaking to one of them right now i i adore sci-fi original movies um which is probably why i was able to find such a good time with these films um but yeah um there's a lot of stuff in this movie to nitpick i really don't want to go crazy about it but um let's just say these are incredibly flawed films that you should in general still have a really good time with especially once you accept what it is that you're being presented you know don't expect great character development don't expect um amazing drama great writing things like that amazing camera work um 
but ultimately you still have a mildly fun movie that at the very least is a good movie to watch with friends and a few beers and just have a good time laughing. Um, but yeah, ultimately I had a good time with the film despite all of its shortcomings. It's still at its heart, a fun Italian zombie movie. So I'll leave it at that for now. Mike, what'd you, this is your first time watching this. Yeah, and I saw things in zombie movies I usually don't see. <laughs> like a lot of what Venom said, all the different types of zombies, the functionality. Um, and, it, you know, it's not really – you can make the argument like, you know, Return of the Living Dead kind of has zombies with mm-hmm. abilities beyond normal. But that's totally almost in a comedic setting where this really is not trying to be comedic. It's being played straight, but it's just – <laughs> zombies doing all sorts of things um but i did have fun with it you know it's definitely in, the, in under the zombie horror genre or subgenre umbrella it's one of the more way kind of out there uh ways to do it but that doesn't mean it doesn't end up being in a fun and entertaining time and you know i was probably laughing at stuff that wasn't even meant to be comedic just because your first time seeing zombies like sitting there playing a guitar or helping the people um it's kind of like almost shocking to see (laughs) in a zombie i i I totally agree with like the kind of weird audio going on where like it's you you can see that they're speaking english and the audio's english but it's not quite synced up just ever so slightly enough to like be noticeable. Um, yeah, like probably just the way it was mixed, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I thought this was fun. This type of movie, I think too, that like you show someone this as their first Bruno Matai movie and it might look interesting enough, even if they don't love it. I, I think there's enough there that, okay, let's see what else, this director has done in other zombie movies, which we'll be doing in a second. But um, I, I had fun with this one. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. up next don i think derek's muted uh, yeah i thought it was my internet but i didn't i didn't no. want to see anything oh my, my bad yeah i'm here uh, <laughs> i was just, i was actually talking shit i was just gonna say a fun fact that i actually didn't realize about this movie before we go to don <laughs> is uh i didn't actually know this with this one i knew it for the, the second movie because it's a little bit more noticeable now but uh, uh there's actually stock footage in this movie when, you know, you see, like, all the fire scenes. That's actually taken from Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure there's stock footage in the second one, too, the submarine footage. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, it's yeah, more, that, it's that's from, uh, yeah, the, the submarine stuff is from Crimson Tide, I think. Yeah, because you see Vigo Mortensen in the movie. Well, yeah. We'll get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, that you mentioned that the whole thing was stock footage. I I definitely remember watching it, and there was like a couple times when it would cut to like footage of something going on, and it seemed like the quality and the cinematography was totally different from what they just cut 
away from. And I was kind of like, uh, that doesn't seem right. Like, is that Gene Hackman in the background? (laughs) 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 You know, but yeah, Don, I, I, I don't think this was your first time watching this, but what did you think of this, man? Oh, I have an absolute blast with this. Um, this, as uh, will come to nobody's surprise, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Italian zombie films. And this is just so right up my alley, I have an absolute blast. Um, it, I think, depends on your willingness to tolerate all of the homages and ripoffs that are going on in here. Um, you know, like Derek said, this is basically Ghost Ship mixed with House of the Dead which um, should also come as no surprise when I say I'm a huge fan of that movie as well. Uh, Sprinkled liberally with healthy doses of Night of the Living Dead, A Mask of Amontillado. Uh, What was that other movie I caught? Um, Zombie, of course, The Splinter. Yeah, Zombie with The Splinter and... The Fog. The Fog, right, yeah where they do the uh, recap of the events that led them to, the, to be haunted, because that's almost an exact retelling of the exactly. opening of the fog. It's an, yeah, how the ship came to be cursed is almost an exact retelling of the fog, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, I think to me, the, the person's enjoyment of the film is going to depend on whether or not they can distance themselves from the homages and enjoy the fact that they're woven together as competently as they are into this kind of a film. You know, this is certainly, you know, you know, if you look at it as any kind of technical quality, you know, probably about one of the worst films out there, you know, every plot point is ripped off or stolen from other films you know, Venom's already alluded to the legendarily woeful audio experience of this film where everybody just completely sounds, you know, as if they're talking through a, uh, whatchamacallit, a tin can, essentially. You know, dialogue doesn't match up, the voices are off, everybody seems to have, like, two or three, you know, everybody, you know, despite the fact that there's six or seven people in here, everybody seems like there's, like, two or three voices so, in that sense, I can see where a lot of people are not going to like this, but I'm not that kind of a person. I'm just, I have an absolute blast with this. There's tons of action, tons of gore, tons of zombies, tons of things, you know. I at least forgot to mention, because I didn't even realize this until now, Bruno even rips off himself. Yeah. There's even this. Yeah, there's even a scene in here where he rips off one of the famous scenes from Hell of the Living Dead, where the woman approaches the, the you know, the monk kneeling at the altar and turns him around and, you know, bam, it's a zombie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because he even rips himself off. Yeah, I never, yeah, that one's even included in here, too. So, uh, to me, if, you know, you're completely aghast at that kind of that kind of filmmaking where it's just repeating every other style known to man thrown into a blender. Yeah. This is going to be, you know, an excruciating experience, but for a person that's just willing to go along with the punches and say, you know, Hey, there's a bunch of action going on. You know, you got zombies almost practically from the 20 minute mark onwards. And there's always something cool going on. I think they're going to have an absolute blast with this. Like I did. And this should also come as no surprise when I say it's one of my favorite Bruno movies of all time. So, I I did really like uh, talking about all the homages and ripoffs. I enjoyed that they did the opening of uh, Night of the Living Dead with the one guy talking to the female going, look, 
here comes one of them now. He's coming <laughs> to get you. <laughs> I and yep. and the, the thing that sells that one so badly is the fact that he's practically two feet away before she even realizes something's yeah. wrong. When this guy is completely gray, is wearing blood-soaked clothing from, like, what, four or five centuries previous, and is vomiting blood... And at that point is when she realizes, hey, maybe that's not human. Yeah, that that's kind of funny. Because, you know, with the original scene, obviously the Rush Strider um, zombie still looked human. This one, I mean, it, it is literally just classic movie uh, zombie. It, like, you should be able to see this guy from a quarter mile away and tell, oh, shit, there's something wrong. But, yeah, that is funny that she practically has to walk up to him before <laughs> she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and exactly too in the same sequence when you look in the background you see the statues they're just people painted up and they're standing as still as they can yeah. <laughs> some of them are just wearing Halloween masks it's fucking great oh, God. Yeah, I could not get over that that they couldn't tell that the robed guys weren't, weren't statues <laughs> just like what are you joking oh well gently moving <laughs> like they're like moving I mean, you can almost see him breathing at times. <laughs> oh, and some of the dialogue in this movie. I mean, aside from the quality of the dialogue, uh, I, I I found myself just having. Do you know? Do you know? Like when Family Guy makes fun of Europeans trying to sound American, that's yeah. what all the dialogue in this movie reminded me of. You know, just just people who were not American trying their hardest to vaguely sound American. At one point, one of the zombies, and I've already said that multiple zombies in this movie actually speak. One of the zombies, after she bites uh, one of her victims, actually says, welcome among us. And instantly, all I could think of was all your base are belong to us. <laughs> one of the weirdest English lines ever. Oh, Welcome oh. among us. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know what scene always cracks me up about this fucking movie. Every time I watch it, it's the whole boat scene where the zombies rampage the boat with the one dude on them. Yeah, and he looking pushes, like a third grade Dario or Gentle. Yeah, and he just pushes a random button, and the boat explodes. I'm like, why isn't that fucking button covered? That if that's what it does. I know. Do all boats come with a self-destruct that I didn't know about? <laughs> I was oh, dying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a single button that just here's the self-destruct button on the on the boat. You know, the one on all the boats that you just gotta press, and there's no way to <laughs> get out to of it once it. the button's pressed. Yeah, and it's instant. You gotta accept it. Well, the you best thing is there's another button above it. I'm like, what the fuck does that button do? <laughs> That's the self-repair button. <laughs> That's oh, how it comes back in the movie. Yeah. Holy shit. We, we didn't even mention yet and you know that what? Willis is in this movie. Oh, <laughs> and I was just going to bring up that character, too, because I, 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 I consider myself an idiot for this. It literally took me till halfway through the movie to realize that Snoopy was wearing a Snoopy t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know it. I didn't literally halfway through the movie I do the fucking um, the move where I'm in the middle of a sip and I'm pointing at the TV hey Snoopy's wearing a Snoopy t-shirt like I'm sure everyone in the world noticed it as soon as it happens but it took me half the movie so yeah oh. I, I, I don't know why I found that so entertaining but it tickled me 
<laughs> yeah, I was, I was laughing at the beginning when they screwed up trying to get the treasure out and the chest just decomposes right in the harness. Oh, What I love about that is the fact that they're actually in the water with diving equipment and they can't just dive right back down and go grab it. Yeah, I, they're fully <laughs> equipped with stuff that to go right down there and just grab it back. Oh, yeah, oh. they give up so quick. <laughs> it's funny too because these zombies are kind of inconsistent because there's scenes in the movie where the zombie where the zombies are very effective in killing people, but then there'll be other scenes where the zombies are more like the actors in a in a Halloween haunt where they're just kind of standing there and they might reach out for you periodically, but they're not really attacking. Like there's there's literally a scene where our main girl is walking through a room where admittedly some of the zombies are tied up on the ceiling, but others are on the ground and they're just kind of staring at her as she walks by, like not attacking. Yeah, they're just making their silly little zombie noises. I'm like, well, wait a minute, are you guys efficient zombies or not? Because it's like flip flopping. But again, back into the second movie because you know, well. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that I actually have that written down in my notes for the second movie um, about how efficient they are. But yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, the inconsistency of the zombies in this one is something that just kind of, you know, sticks out to you. In one scene, there'll be marauding beasts that are completely and 100% effective. And then in the next scene, they'll just be standing around while someone walks right by them. It's kind of interesting, but, you know, again, Bruno's choices. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. man. Are you ready? To... <laughs> and... Oh, and then the last thing, Bruno likes chopping people in half, huh? He does yeah. that in both these movies. <laughs> He's got a thing it, for it. <laughs> he does, and it's done in great fashion. It's probably one of the better effects. In Absolutely, the especially in the second movie. Yeah, I actually rewound it. I was like, wow, that looked great. <laughs> it's good shit yeah schlocky if you like it's a better version of ghost ship pretty much because that movie sucks <laughs> outside of the opening scene ghost ship is not really watchable <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah but are you guys ready to get into some james cameron <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm always up for pre- for carnosaur 2 oh yeah. wait i mean shocking dark or, wait, I mean, nope. Oh, you mean Zombalians? Robo War. He's on a few alien ripoff. But yeah, zombies. No, um, oh, well, the Robo War was Predator. Oh, yeah, he, he's good with that one, too. Uh, we'll get, yeah. We were going to get into that with the cannibal one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so we did. Yeah, there's a cannibal movie that's Predator with cannibals. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Zombies Begin in the same year. Uh, I'll read the synopsis for Shits and Giggles, or summary. A group of rough-and-tumble marines led by Captain Jurgens are sent by the powerful company Tyler, a.k.a. Whalen, Inc., to investigate reports of a zombie outbreak on a remote Pacific island where a series of secret scientific experiments are being conducted. Dr. Sharon DeMau, a.k.a. Ripley, who's traumatized the traumatized lone survivor of a previous zombie rampage, accompanies the team on a desperate rescue mission. Such an original plot, such great storytelling. 
It's fucking aliens. Yep. <laughs> mm, exactly. Yeah, there's no way around the fact that this is straight up aliens. Like, I think there was a portion of the movie where, like, I wasn't even, so, like, aware. And, and all of a sudden it hit me in the scene when they're so in the transport vehicle. dialogue from fucking aliens throughout the yeah. movie. <laughs> Once they're in the transport vehicle and they start telling the troops to, like retreat and get out of there and then she just totally takes over the vehicle like she's going to rush in there i was like wait a minute i was like is this what i think it exactly is trying to be and yep from there on out what like once you become self-aware of it or just aware of it i mean you can't you can't stop seeing exactly how much this follows well because aliens. It, it gets more and more on the nose as the movies mm-hmm. as the movie yeah. goes you know early on there's there's scenes that kind of make you think hey this seems kind of like aliens but then um yeah once we get to that transport scene like mike was talking about and um asian ripley is yelling at the captain it's like holy shit this is a carbon copy and then later on they do the grenade death with vasquez obviously in this one it's two guys instead so they can't get romantic but yeah they do the same thing where they're both holding a grenade i mean after a while it, it, it just i i was basically just watching italian aliens i mean it was basically how i had to look at it because it, it was just i don't know it, it kept taking me out of the movie is basically what i'm trying to say until the point where i just accepted it where i was just like okay fuck it it's an alien ripoff that's fine i'll deal with it <laughs> what, what was with them using what was with them using goldberg's ring entrance music every time a bunch of the soldiers were on screen. I don't know if you guys caught that or even remember Goldberg's ring entrance music. But the first time I was like, I was like, maybe it just sounds similar, but it's not it. But then the second time it kicked on, I was like, no, that's, that's it. Yo, yo, this movie legitimately uses some Danny Elfman. (laughs) He's got Danny Elfman music in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I caught that too. (laughs) You know, the the fucked up thing, though, Venom, this isn't his first Aliens ripoff. Like, I believe it. Because Shocking Dark, they did in '89, is Aliens ripoff mixed with Terminator. Wow. Yeah, I, I could not get over this. Like, it, it just felt like they literally took the script from Aliens and just replaced all the words. Like, they, they literally had the Alien script and then a thesaurus right next to it so that they could basically rewrite Aliens but not use any of the same words. Because, I mean, like I said, you could see individual scenes are exactly ripped off from aliens though like i said after a while it was almost charming like it, it just made me laugh more than anything twist, yeah uh, it's like fucking a third hilarious act. it really is the burke the you know the quote-unquote burke character you know he was a good piece of shit so obviously i i think they dragged out the uh quote-unquote burke death i forget the oh tyler i think was the guy's name or he yeah. was a tyler representative or something yeah 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 uh, yeah I, the Burke. Yeah. I, his scene, I, it, it was almost, um, Oh, what's the term I'm looking for? That shameful joy, because it's like everybody, obviously cathartic? he's the character. Huh? Cathartic? Yeah. I, I would say, I would say cathartic, you know, um, at least that's what it was meant to be. I think, because I, I think that Bruno probably thought people would hate that character more than they actually do. Um, Obviously, he's a hateable character. We hate him for very obvious reasons. But because this is something that we've already seen, we've already experienced, we don't really hate him as much. Like, I still hate Burke way more. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, as I'm watching his death scene, I'm like, wow, they're really dragging this out. They want us, they want the audience to really enjoy this guy's death. It was weird. Either that or make the movie as long as it is. <laughs> well, I mean, the movie was what, like 135, right? So it's not yeah. like, yeah, there's not a like lot of slow Mm-hmm. Especially during those dream sequences that are supposed to, you know, especially that one where it copies like her in the hospital and she just turns into a zombie instead of an alien person out of her chest. <laughs> and then what I think is my absolute favorite part of the movie is when the movie goes from aliens to Metroid. Yeah. End, he gets the mother brain. <laughs> the motherfucker has to, the, this movie has a boss fight. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I mean, granted, it's not nearly as big as the mother brain, but it's very distinctly an organ of some type in a glass case speaking to everyone. It looks just like the mother brain. And, and, and that, that was the, the alien like zombie babies. Oh, yeah. And then the zombie tots. I call them zombie tots. <laughs> little little bite sized zombies. I couldn't. Uh. Oh my god, I, I could not get over it. And then, yeah, at that point is where it got even more aliens when we see the quote-unquote birthing scene. Which yeah. isn't nearly, it's not nearly as, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Shocking as the original alien chestburster. But yeah, I, I, I'm watching it like, wow. I, I, I just couldn't get over the similarities, you know? Like I said, after a while, you accept it and you just have fun with it. Overall, I don't know. What, what do we think about the overall quality of the two films in the sense of comparing them to each other? Am I the only one that found this movie to be a lot better made than the first one? Or am I just kind of... Well, I think the, to me, if I would look at it that way, I think it's because he's got one specific style that he has to emulate. Whereas when you look at what he did with Island, he's got to incorporate so many different things that they you can kind of see if he, you know he can get jumbled in a sense, and it just mm-hmm. feels like a random assembly of scenes just thrown sure. together with no real purpose. I mean, Whereas I, I think I with this one. Because this one, I think he's got one specific focus and he's got to, you know, emulate one specific kind of film. I think it just frees him up to be just, you know, gleeful and over the top as he can without having to worry about how everything's going to fit together. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. But I I, aside from even the storytelling, I mean, like the cinematography even look better, like the, the shots. The early shots of the military guys kind of getting off the boats and kind of running up to the building, like those shots were framed really nice. They, they they looked like I literally had to go back and watch scenes from Island of the Living Dead because it looks and and maybe I'm being overboard a little too overboard with this, but it literally feels like two different teams made these movies. You know what I mean? It's like I I understand that Bruno directed both, but it feels like he had an A team and a B team. Um, and I only say that because, Don, you had mentioned in the chat that um, scenes, certain scenes in this film were actually shot at the same time between the two films. I mean, you were saying that uh, some of the production kind of crossed over. Right. And, and that's why I was wondering why the second one just felt to me personally like I so much I a better your, film. I your answer. Uh-oh, what do we got? Different cinematographers. That could be it. I mean... Like I said, that's just one aspect of it. It's the most glaring one, because obviously you're looking at the cinematography the whole time. But yeah, I mean, I just remember during the first act of uh, this film, of, of the beginning, 
kind of mentioning, wow, like this looks like it was done by a way better filming team. I wasn't necessarily thinking about the cinematographer, um, but that's it, the only, it, that one, totally that's the only different. That's the only difference I could see from looking at them. Yeah. Okay, that totally makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, I, like I said, I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but to me, as I'm watching them, Island of the Living Dead looks like a direct-to-video film. Whereas um, Zombies the Beginning, even though it's still shot on digital video, it still has the same basic uh, feel to it, to me looked more like a cinematic film. Looked like something that might play in theaters, maybe like in Italy for like a few weeks or something. I don't know. I just, I kept, I, might, like, I have, uh-huh. You, I was just going to say, I, I have a feeling maybe they saved a lot of their budget because this one's more effects heavy too. Exactly. That too. Definitely more more zombies, more effects, and obviously, you know, with the addition of the of the soldiers, you've got more shooting type deaths. More squibs are going to obviously be used. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, man, did it bother anybody else? And this is probably just the old grizzled horror fan in me. But did it bother anybody else that they actually referenced? Romero in this movie, but then at no point does it seem like anybody is shooting for the head. Like, I, yes, admittedly, there are some zombies that get shot in the head. Uh, you know, they focus in on those. But, I, like, throughout the entire movie, these big shootouts where hordes of zombies are coming towards them, and 90% of them are getting shot in the chest. And I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, you literally, this is a world where George Romero's Night of the Living Dead exists, because they they, they literally referenced it by name. He, he flat out said, oh, you mean like George Romero zombies, and then left. Yeah. So, not, yeah, not even really bothered. Not even, not even <laughs> but to me, like, if you're, within the movie, whatever zombie movie it is in the world, you know, people are known for adapting pretty quick. So it's like even if you didn't know before the bullets are flying that a shot to the head took them out, as soon as it the first it happens the first time, you're instantly going to see the difference. Oh, well, when I was shooting them in any other place, it didn't kill them. It, as soon as they took a shot to the head dead, you're immediately going to be like, everyone, shoot for the fucking head now. Exactly. Like, that's the only thing that's going to kill them. Yeah, I, I don't point that kind of stuff out in like – yeah, I don't point that kind of stuff out in 80s uh, zombie movies because obviously it's still kind of a new subgenre at that point. But like I said, this is a 2007 movie where they literally say the name Romero Zombies. And yet all these military guys are all shooting them in the legs, in the chest, in the arm. It's like, and, and Mike made an absolutely valid point. I mean, if you're shooting something and you want it to go down and it's shambling towards you slowly, I think 99% of people would shoot it in the head. You know, we're not, we're not cops. So I don't care about shooting you in the leg. I don't care about arresting you. I want you to go down and stay down. So I, I don't know that, that whole thing. Like I can understand if they were being um, overrun, which I know eventually they do get overrun with zombies, but I'm talking about even the scenes where there's just a few zombies, they're still shooting them in the fucking chest. <laughs> I'm just, and I'm just pulling my hair out. Like what the hell? You you know it, it it literally if they didn't make that Romero reference I wouldn't be as upset about it, but the fact that they referenced it and flat out and many of them obviously knew what he was talking about because 
almost everybody in the entire squad laughed when he said that, you know, Romero or yeah, Romero zombies, I think was the exact line. And I don't know. I, I know I'm harping on this, but it's just one of those things that really kind of exit my side when I'm watching these films. And it, I, I can't forget it. I can't like not think about it. Every single bullet that hit it, a zombie anywhere besides the head, it's the first thing I'm thinking about. What the hell? So, yeah, whatever. A minor gripe that I just made major. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it does. I, I, you know, I, I definitely don't want to try to interject logic into an Italian zombie movie by any stretch, but I don't know. Just common sense sometimes would be nice. That's all. <laughs> I, I, maybe we should do get Venom on that cannibal show, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the plan coming up. I think that's happening now, though. I'm okay. Uh, did anybody notice that in the final scene when the girl and the last guy get out of the facility, she closes her eyes when she shoots her machine gun? I swear yeah. to God, she yeah, closes her that. eyes completely. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, God. Thank you, Bruno, so much. Thank you for <laughs> was, your response, song. It's so endlessly entertaining. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not going to ever say that either of these films are, quote unquote, a good movie. But goddamn, if there aren't little scenes here and there that just make you laugh out loud, just bust your side laughing. Hey, so, you, yeah, you, I, you know all I can say about this? It's a better <laughs> swan song than Survival of the Dead was for Romero. Uh, I, sadly, you're kind of right, considering what we got from Romero before, because his his slide was major from the yeah. original trilogy to the second trilogy. Whereas Bruno, you know, he's kind of just been steady with his quality over the years. I did mention yeah. that some of his 80s movies kind of look more theatrical. Um, obviously, shooting movies on video in the 80s wasn't really as much of an option. So, you know, they had to use it. Yeah. But yeah, once we get into like the late 90s and 2000s and people are using like digital video and stuff, uh, it, it was almost bad for the industry, I think. Because it, it, one little thing, like just shooting this movie on film would have made it look that much better. Literally a single thing. And, and look, guys, I understand film stock is expensive compared to digital. There is no digital stock. You literally just yeah. need a hard blah, blah, blah. So I understand the cost effectiveness of it all. But goddamn, I wish people would con- would con- uh, contemplate the art before making a decision like that. I have a you know, something uh-huh. to do with the producer uh, Giovanni well, Pellucci oh, that, yeah. that does it all. I think he's he's kind of like that. I feel like because he did the cannibal ones too, and they're kind of filmed the same way. As well, he was ones. the one. He came in with. Um, he came in right after Fergasso left. Yeah, because uh, him falling out. Yeah, because him and Fergasso, as a Matayan Fergasso, sort of left after Shocking Dark, and then right after that, Pellucci came into the picture, and he actually he even started with Bruno even earlier. He actually did Cruel Jaws with him. Yeah, yeah, he did Cruel Jaws, and he did um, the Giallos just before. Um, I haven't seen any of those. Uh, Murder on the Telephone, and um, uh, what's that other one? Uh, Madness, I think, was the name of it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I I haven't seen any of the, I haven't seen either of those, so I don't know. But I know that Pellucci came into the picture with Matai just after Fragasso left, and then Fragasso went off, and he never really did much of anything after. 
but Matai ended up and he kept going and he he and Pellucci did all of their stuff together. Mm-hmm. When was uh, Cruel Jaws? Like mid nineties? Ninety five. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Exactly mid nineties. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then probably the last thing I'm going to say about this is the ending theme song felt so much like a TV movie theme song. It literally sounded like Hercules, the legendary journeys. Theme oh my song. God. I wrote that down. <laughs> oh, did you? Awesome. All right. So I'm not totally in love on that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm I like, man, it. that sounds like Xena. Like at first I thought it sounded like Xena and I'm like, damn it. Nope. It's Hercules. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying it's a direct ripoff, like the ghost house song. Um, oh, and for anybody interested, it's it's the song that's playing during the hospital scene early in the film. That it's literally that is the theme from Ghost House. Uh, the old um, uh, what's his rapist face guy? Um, Victor Salva did yeah. Ghost House. And if you watch that movie, literally the song note for note is in the hospital scene of this film. I, I mean, ultimately, for somebody like me, it just kind of. It's cool because it reminds me of an old 80s movie that I actually enjoy for one reason or another. Because Ghost House is another one that's not exactly a classic by any stretch, you know. You sure you Often don't House mean Clown House? Weird... No, no, Ghost House. Because it no, has Ghost a House? doll. Amber Lindsay, right? That's Lindsay. Lindsay did Ghost House. Salva did Clown House. Okay, I, I'm definitely That's, thinking of, do, of Ghost House. I'm, I mean, okay, then it's I, ghost. I, I, I got the director wrong. Because it's the one yeah. with the little girl, little ghost girl yeah. and the doll. Yeah, because yeah, as soon as you started saying that, I was kind of like, hey, wait a second. Don't, don't uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't I got my director mixed up. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely Ghost House. Because I just watched Ghost House like a few months ago. And that's why it just popped into my head as soon as the song played in uh, Zombies the Beginning. So, yeah. Okay, uh, have you ever seen Ghost House? Michael? Mike? Doesn't seem like anything. Um, no, I mean, just, I would say... Okay, we're making you watch that. Quiet. <laughs> the, <laughs> I would say the fact that uh, this follows Alien so much is almost a great reason to watch it, just to get a kick out of... If you want to see a zombie movie made as Aliens uh, remake, then you should definitely check this out, because I think that alone, or that aspect oh, alone could carry I, it. I feel like we have to do Shark and down the line. I did that point. <laughs> and Michael Ooh, Lewis paired up with Carnosaur too. Paired up with Carnosaur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Or we could just do another Bruno Matai and do something else with like me. Ah, there we go. Yeah. The second annual Bruno Matai special. <laughs> you know. I I I kinda I gotta pick up the jail style that says a uh, woman in prison movie that you did during this time period too. Mm. Yeah. Those are always fun. <laughs> yeah, lots of tits and a half. Not always good, but at least always fun. Yeah. Well, no, it's the main girl in this one. The yeah, it's that one. Oh, oh yeah, I it's like the, the yeah, it's the Ripley character from this one. She's in that one. Asian Ripley, awesome. Asian Ripley. Let's or well, I mean, I guess she's Asian. Do we know? Yeah, Philippine. Yeah, Philippine. Yeah, she's like Filipino. Filipino. Close enough. Yeah. I, I, that's still technically Asian, I guess. But yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. she's adorable. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll watch anything with her. Very little her. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she, she was the best looking um, Shaolin monk I've ever seen. Hell yeah! <laughs> and, and, you know, 
I'll go, you gonna say that? Better than Steven Seagal. I was gonna say she's better at being a Buddhist monk than Steven Seagal is. So. Oh God, well, yes. Anybody <laughs> could be a better Buddhist monk. Than I am him. a better Buddhist monk than Steven Seagal. <laughs> Mike's a better Buddhist monk, even though I'm angry at him. That's a stretch. Steven Seagal's lawman eagle eye. He's got the eagle eye. The only thing he did right was when he made his daughter so she'd star in the Gamera trilogy. <laughs> oh, you know what? I did have an I, I did have one more question about this damn movie. How the hell did a woman in her fifties get into a paramilitary troop? That one older lady made no she was like the den mother of the group. How the hell does she get it? Like she 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 looks like she should have already been retired. She, from the she was there that day. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. Oh my god! So that, hey, all these guys are all like twenty-something in shape, you know, big buff soldiers, and then we got a fifty-something-year-old woman just hanging around with them. It's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I'll deal. I guess. Uh, I was just waiting for one if one of them was a cyborg or not. <laughs> but she's the one. She's the one who got cut in half, though. So I'm. <laughs> you were like, that was awesome. Oh, I, love, I love the cut in half in this movie because we don't actually see the creature that does it. You, you just see the arm come around the tree and just slash at her midsection and suddenly her top half falls off. I, that was cool. That was fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Good, and, you know, it kind of should have tear when it ends with Bruno. Oh, yeah, the little Bruno uh, line at the end. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know what to think of that at first, but Obviously, you know. Especially when it's dubbed. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the other thing, too. But, yeah, whatever. It, it yeah. works. It, it's a nice yeah. little swan song for whatever it's worth. Yeah. yeah. I would have wanted to see what the third film would have been. Oh, God, oh. yes. The, the, yeah. the, the, monk, the monk girl comes back with a vengeance. <laughs> oh, well, because I'm saying because... I'm trying to figure out what a movie would be. That's what I'm saying because... The, um, the, hard. Well, the whole thing was supposed to have been a trilogy. And yeah, this was supposed to have been the middle installment, even though it's called Zombies: The Beginning. Yeah. So the, there was supposed to have been a third film, but Bruno passed away before he could get started. Mm-hmm. So I've never actually heard what the plans for that one would have been. So yeah, uh, I'm surprised no one. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised no one took, took charge to do it. You know, it's not like they're it's not like these movies are expensive. Sometimes you need a director that would be willing. The only person that I would say would probably would do it the way that Bruno, because actually they directed a bunch of movies together, is Fergasso. Mm. Yeah, and I don't know if Fergasso would have wanted to touch something with Matthias, even if, you know, all those years. Yeah. I don't know if that's still like bad blood or anything. Yeah. You never know. He did do Troll 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn that fucking uh. and I hate him too for the way he acts during the documentary yeah the best worst movie oh god I but just I forgive, slap the shit yeah but I forgive him because he gave his monster dog with Alice Cooper ooh monster dog oh finally now finally Mike pipes up <laughs> like I'm just like Jack the Ripper. Jack the Reaper. Yeah, we we covered Monster Dog like an old episode of Theme Warriors. I, I think it was like musicians in movie roles, but I, I can't 100 percent remember. You should start was. uploading those, man. 
Oh, the old ones? Yeah, I think I have most of them. At least during the Theme Warriors era of it, I, I think I have all of them on the computer. Uh, nice. Uh, it's time to call this one out, man. I had all fun. Right. Yeah, man. Bruno Matai. All right, well, that's episode 34 of No More Room in Hell. But before we get out of here, let's find out what we have from everyone to listen to. So, Venom, I'll start with you. What's out? What's new? Uh, This will be pretty much quick and easy for me for the first time. Well, maybe the second time. Uh, Just No More Room in Hell stuff for me. Obviously, you know, we're recording the main show right now. Uh, We've got Fresh Cuts that comes out every week on our latest episode. We look at Fear Street 1994. We will be recording our next episode in the coming days. We have not locked down a film yet, but I'm sure something will pop up. More than likely, we'll probably do Fear Street uh, Part 2, 1978, but there's a lot of other stuff out there, too, to check out. Um, And then as far as everything else I do, unfortunately, it is all on hiatus. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. It's not horror, okay? Um, In the Mic of Madness. And, well, Theme Warriors isn't really on a hiatus so much. It's just another one of those extended breaks where we can't find a day to record. We do have our next show set up. It's just a matter of when we can get together to do it. So, um, ultimately, that's all you've got from me, Mike. No more room in hell and fresh cuts. Sweet. Uh, All right, Derek, what do you got? I have my main show, Cinema Attack, where you could find on most podcatchers out there. Uh, we also have uh, They Are Here, which you can find on the Cut to the Chase feed. We also have No More Room in Hell, the main show. Uh, we also have on the Legion Patreon, Blood from the Core, that I do with Gary Hill, which we look at New York-based horror and thriller movies. And I'm going to make an announcement right now on this show. As you guys know, I used to have a show called Celluloid Dissections that lasted 10, 15 episodes. It died, but like a good phoenix would say, it is being rose from the ashes. And Celluloid Dissections Redux is already starting pre-production, and I have... A few episodes planned to record next week. And, yeah, I'm very excited. I have a lot of guests lined up already. Uh, I'm not going to spoil who they are. And uh, Actually, the first episode is kind of a blessing because it was supposed to... I'll just leave this as a hint. It was supposed to be the episode 16 of Celluloid, the original Celluloid Dissections. So it's happened, and that will be our first episode back with that new show. And I'm very excited. It's going to be a big project. And also, you know, we're going to be doing other things on No More Room in Hell soon. We're not going to announce it right away unless Venom wants to. I'm going to hold off. Um, yeah, because we still got to make plans and stuff. With yeah, that. yeah. There's still a lot more in the planning stages left. But, yeah, folks, we will have... Uh, Derek, Don, and myself will have an announcement very soon for uh, a new show that's going to be coming out. But like I said, until we put the finishing touches on that, I'll keep it under my hat for now. Yeah, I just wanted to, yeah, okay. Until so that is it for me, Michael. Donnie boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, 
like you've already heard, um, I am uh, on Fresh Cuts, the uh, sideshow with uh, Venom and Mike. Um, I also have the uh, latest episode of uh, my other show, Graveyard Shit, where uh, we do a retrospective of the Phantasm uh, franchise. Uh, That should be on whatever feeds uh, Dark Discussion is available. I still haven't been able to figure out where it is everywhere, but um, if you're on Dark Discussions Network, you can find that. um, And... um, I mean, I guess it's okay to mention this, but I am the scheduled guest on the next episode of Cinema Attack. Um, Derek, you want to announce the movies, or did you want to keep that yeah. as a surprise? No, no, no. Actually, yeah. it was kind of funny because it was supposed to be yeah, we were... delicious with this show that we're doing now, which is kind yeah. of why I might invite Venom on that show, too, to experience those movies because <laughs> I like the reactions to these ones yeah. so much. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mondo the next Cannibal. Ep- yeah, Mondo, Mondo Cannibal and In the Land of the Cannibals. Bruno's two shot on video cannibal films just before he released these two uh, glorious masterpieces we just dissected for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, other than that, um, the only other thing you can do is uh, follow me online. Um, my website is donshorrorworld.blogspot.com. Nice, good shit. And yeah, Venom, you gotta check out those because in Mondo Cannibal, I want you to meet a character that I nicknamed Fang for a certain reason. <laughs> Don thinks I you know. I think Don knows what I'm talking about because it bothered me the whole movie watching it. <laughs> I'm so there. I had the same thought. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> no, no, that was literally my thought when I was watching the whole damn movie. Yeah, we'll save it for the show, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it for me, Mike. <laughs> All right, yeah, as far as I go, pretty much everything's been covered by what Venom said. All I got in addition to that is uh, me and Gary recorded a new episode of Burning for Springwood. Uh, it was just me and Gary knows Suzanne, but she did send in thoughts on the episodes to Gary. So she at least got her uh, thoughts read. And I think the only other thing I did, I know I mentioned it on Fresh Cuts, but since uh, we don't record this as frequently, I did a, a uh, commentary for Skip to the Lou with Lacey and Neil. We did a com- or not, yeah, commentary on Tales from the Dark Side, where you can imagine between the three of us, conversations went all over the place besides just the movie itself. So uh, that should be up. I think they put uh, Lacey and Dan put all their stuff up on Anchor now. So just look for anything under the cut to the chase umbrella of podcasts and you'll find it there. And then uh, Burning for Springwood is on Legion. So that's where that's at. Other than that, now just. Uh, you know, continuing to do fresh cuts every week and should be back in a few weeks with another episode of No More Room in Hell. Yeah, luckily next. They are. I have an idea what I want to do, but I'm not 100% yet, so I don't want to say anything, but I'll run them by you guys in the chat for sure, probably later. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Don, 
on. Thanks for coming on the main show. I mean, I know you've kind of like taken over as a third co-host on Fresh Cuts just regularly now. So I was like, yeah, it's about time to get here. And yeah. I think Derek reached out to you to mm-hmm. be a guest. Yeah, Derek. Yeah. Derek's kind of become like the guest recruiter of No More Room in Hell. Like <laughs> all, all like he depending brings in all the pick, people I would normally depending ask. On your pick, <laughs> depending on your picks, I'm like. <laughs> I mean, if you're recruiting Jeffy X Martin again or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> um, cool. But uh, with that said, that's going to wrap things up. So it's time to descend back into the lake of fire. We will catch you guys back in a few weeks, probably. Thanks for listening. Ciao. We'll catch Bruno. you next time. Ciao, Bruno. Ciao, man. <laughs> <laughs>